I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. In the end, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you, and I'm just standing in their way. Former President Trump fighting to return to the White House, campaigning over the weekend after being indicted with 37 federal criminal counts, including obstruction and conspiracy over alleged mishandling of classified documents. After leaving office during a brief stop at a Waffle House in Georgia, he called it political persecution. The whole thing is a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. It should never happen. Major interstate collapse in Philadelphia, shutting down traffic in both directions. Pennsylvania's governor said the disruption could last a number of months. The highway collapsed after a tanker truck carrying hundreds of gallons of fuel burst into flames, creating a trail of black smoke. Officials say the fire is now under control. A massive slab of concrete fell from the interstate onto the road below. Remarkably, officials say no one was injured. We are hearing from the Marine veteran charged in the subway chokehold death of Jordan Neely. The three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you. I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying these threats. Penny surrendered to authorities to face a charge of second-degree manslaughter. He is currently out on bond. This is Roger Stone. This has been the Roger Stone Show. Stay tuned to WABC. I am honored to be on a station with people like Larry Kudlow, uh, the greatest mayor in New York City history, Rudy Giuliani, my old friend Cindy Adams, as well as the great Sid Rosenberg. When you look into my eyes and you see the crazy gypsy in my soul, Always comes as a surprise When I feel my withered roots begin to grow Well, I never had a place that I could call my very own But that's all right, my love, cause you're my home When you touch my weary head And you tell me everything will be all right you say, use my body for your bed, and my love will keep you warm through all the nights. Well, I'll never be a stranger, and I'll never be alone. Forever we're together, that's my home. Home can be the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Indiana's early morning too Oh, high up in the hills of California 
just another word for you. Home is right. Um, going home, folks. Um, finally going home. Before I get to that, you know, uh, Lou and uh, Noam, you two bastards, when you laugh or make facial expressions, maybe you don't realize this, but there's glass here. In other words, I can see you. So, for example, in the open, you play all these very serious stories. My friend Donald Trump in big trouble, obviously. Daniel Penny, the hero Marine. All these serious stories. And then the very last story in today's open was my great friend, who I've never met, not once, my great friend Roger Stone. And I guess, I'm not even sure, Roger Stone has a show here. And did his first show this weekend. And I think he had Trump on, which is a big deal. And then if you listen to the audio at the very end of his show, I guess, he uh, talked about WABC and how he was honored to be working with people like Larry Kudlow, as I am, his dear friend for many years, Cindy Adams, as I am, the greatest mayor ever, Rudy Giuliani, as I am, He mentioned Andrew, but um, Justin cut that out. And then at the very end, he said the great Sid Rosenberg. And I think you two guys thought that the reason why I played that was because he mentioned me, called me the great Sid Rosenberg. I think what you guys are thinking is if he doesn't mention me at the end of the show, then there's no Roger Stone audio. And what upsets me is, is you guys think I'm not shallow. Why was it on the open? Because he mentioned me. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Your witness. But why were you laughing? Uh, no. <laughs> we were laughing just because I was wondering why you were playing that, and then and then I figured out why very quickly. <laughs> that he was gonna. I was like, oh, there's a mention here somewhere. Of yeah. So we were cracking up. Never, Pretty predictable, yeah, right? Never, yeah. I, I, I never get. I never cease to be amazed. Never. By, like yeah. it, I don't understand. This keeps happening, and I. I never even characterized you. Believe it or not, I've never characterized you as narcissistic, and I don't understand why. Right. But now I, I'm seeing evidence and and okay, but you I'm, know, I'm, documentation I'm, 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 of it. Let me just say this. Uh, that's fine. But let me say this. And that it was so blatant. No, it was not blatant at all. No, oh, no. Okay. 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 All right. First of all, I wasn't even listening. What day is uh, Roger on? It was Sunday at three o'clock. That right. and I like Roger Stone. He's a great guy. And what what they did to him, the FBI at his house, and knocking down the doors was. Like a crime, like 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 Trump at Mar-a-Lago. I like Roger. So I wasn't listening to Stone yesterday at 3. You guys know that. So why don't you blame the listening audience, specifically uh, my friend Sal Greco. See, here's the thing. I was told that Roger Stone is good friends with Frank Morano. And I don't know if that's true or not, okay? They're supposedly they're like buddies for 25 years. So Sal Greco... One of my friends on Instagram, I don't really know him either. So he sends me a DM. He goes, you know, it's kind of funny that Morano and Stone are friends for 25 years. Yet at the end of today's show, he thanked all these people. And you, of course, was the last person he thanked because you got to kiss the ring, said Rosenberg. I mean, there's nothing without me. You got nothing here. And uh, sorry, but it's true. And um, but he never mentioned Frank Morano. Well, I have no idea if that's even true of him and Morano were a good friend. They are. Well, why, why wouldn't he mention Frank Morano? Maybe, maybe he doesn't like the show. I don't know. I mean, he mentions Cudlow and yeah. Cindy Adams. They're on the weekend. They're not even, you know, Morano. 
like me, does 20 hours a week and gets monster ratings. Monster. It's stu- it doesn't matter. It's still irrelevant. It's irrelevant? In this case. Sal Greco sent it to me. No, I no, didn't no, know no. about it. You just made our case when yeah. you started to say, oh, I don't even know Roger. I don't even know Roger Stone. I don't even know. Oh, no, show. we're good friends. No, oh, no. we're very good oh, friends. Okay, right. We're very okay. good friends. Okay, well, we're, ha, 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 ha. No, we are. No, you're, He's you're been not. on the show with me a million times, me and Bernard, God okay. rest his soul. Can you, can, could you call yeah. him up at 2 o'clock in the morning if you had a problem? And, uh, he, Roger Stone? Yeah. No chance. Right, right. So you're I don't even good, have his number. So you're not good friends. So we're not good friends. So, as Joe Biden would say, that's malarkey. That's malarkey. All right. So no. you, that's that's out. But the, the the you started to make the point by saying, I I don't I I barely know. I don't know when his show is on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know when. Right. Yes. So it's quite the evidence is there. That there's no chance that would have been in the open. You got like it came out of the nowhere of all those stories. Oh. Uh, this is Roger Stone, and I'm so happy to be <laughs> on uh, the, the great WABC with these hosts. And George, especially if your name wasn't mentioned. <laughs> no, now you're being silly. Frank Morano right, says, right. forgotten by all except Sid. Thank you. Well, let me uh, let me just say this, Lewis. Yeah, okay. On a serious note, to emphasize your point. If we didn't kill Osama bin Laden, and he did a weekly show in Islamabad, and he mentioned me, I'd play it. No kidding. There's no kidding. You'd have to find evidence way down the line of, of some killing that a guy did. Like, oh, oh, he's that bad a guy. All right, well, now we'll get rid of him. But the fact that he says I'm the great Sid Rosenberg, yeah. no matter who the person is, yeah. it could have been the Unabomber before he killed him. Oh, poor Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, he could have said, no. I'd just like to thank Sid Rosenberg for some entertainment before he See, killed him. I don't want myself. you incentivizing bad people now to mention my name to think they're going to get on this radio program. Don't do that. No, never, Even though the never odds again. are high. Never again. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Roger Stone's my guy. <laughs> That's the great St. Rose. <laughs> I mean, somebody had to tell him to say that, right? Somebody. So now the question becomes, God, this is such great radio. Some, now the question becomes, who told Roger Stone to include Sid Rosenberg and Ed Great, because they know how sensitive I am. You can't just mention me with other people. You've got to give me some adjective that says you're better than the rest. And, and I'll do one, a, a big one better. Yeah. Let's say he had finished with, and the great Greg uh, uh, Kelly. I'd never talk to him. That's never. never. And, and, and by the way, I would say his show sucks, that would, and that Trump killing, interview sucked. You'd be killing him. Killing him, him yeah. You'd be, well, because, would, you know, because Greg Kelly's not great. He's barely good. Barely good. Mel, barely. Gibson, Mel Gibson on the rack is what you'd be doing <laughs> yeah, to him. Come on. That's what you'd be doing <laughs> no, to this Roger is not Stone. Right. No, this is be, not right. I, does Roger Stone realize who is here and who, without me, there's no Roger Stone here on this radio station? Is what it is. That's it. Right. So now, now to show you how silly you're being, both of you, I'm going to book Roger Stone on this program. And he's going to tell you exactly what I said, which is he and I are good buddies. That's uh, great. Uh, uh, hooray. <laughs> great. That's a good idea. Just do that. Why? Why? You know, we'll be playing that cut right before he comes on, too, like uh, uh, ten times. We're only going to play it one more time today. That's it. Okay. I don't want to. Uh, okay. well, I don't want to get too carried away. All right. Do it while I'm in the bathroom or something. My God, because I'll, be vom- I'll be vomiting anyway. Well, where is my cut for the day? All my uh, audio cuts. What's Justin Ellick doing? Why is it taking so long? Now? You, didn't, you didn't get the sheets. Yeah. You didn't get them? No, not yet. You didn't get them. Uh, well, I don't think I see them here. Oh, I do have them. I'm sorry. Let me play some of this Roger Stone stuff, being that he did. Um, <laughs> this was such a great interview. This was a. What? <laughs> this was really a amazing. great interview. I would say next to mine, 
He did the second best Donald Trump interview. Right, second best. That's because you're the great Sid Rosenberg. Well, of course. Right. I didn't hear one second of this, just no, so you know. No, you don't even. Not one second. You didn't know the guy was on the stage. <laughs> Come on. Well, I know about it. I know. I'm sure Justin was playing it loud. All of a sudden, you're walking by like, wait a second, who's that? What did he say? Justin, I want you to cut that up. No, I, I knew because yesterday uh, Sal Greco sent me a text and said he mentioned you at the end of the program. So then um, I texted Justin. I said, is Roger Stone on this radio station? <laughs> and as it turns out, he did a not a good, a phenomenal interview with uh, Donald Trump. I'm not even listening anymore. In fact, this is a great question from Roger. This is great. He goes, uh, hey, uh, Donald, with all this uh, stuff going on, is there any chance you'll drop your presidential bid? A brilliant question from Roger Stone. <laughs> this, Lewis, Stone to Trump, cut number one. No, none whatsoever. No, I see no. Uh, I see no case in which I would do that. I would. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had opportunities in 2016 to do it, and I didn't do it. And uh, some pretty big opportunities. Yes, you know. You know, there were people that saying, "Well, it's just not. It's not going to happen." And uh, we did it. We ran a great race. But then think of it. In 2020, we got millions more votes. Then he goes on to talk to Trump again. This is good stuff, you got to admit. He says to Donald, hey, there's clearly a double standard here, which is what I was yelling at Frank Morano about this morning. If they really wanted Barack Obama, there's got to be a million things out there to get that bastard. Or Clinton or, or Biden, who they're trying to get, obviously, Democrats more than Republicans. Clearly, clearly, whether you think Donald Trump did something wrong or not, that's not the question. The question is, don't you think every president has done something wrong? And yet, they go after Trump for everything. Day after day, they try to find something. There is clearly a double standard, as Roger Stone points out here to Donald Trump. Lewis, cut number four. If I weren't leading, this would never happen. Or if I wasn't running, even more so, this would never happen, these fake charges. It's just fake. Uh, the boxes hoax. Biden has 1,850 boxes that he's not giving up. They're at the University of Delaware, I guess. And by the way, the tapes that you read about, those tapes are my tapes. I gave them very willingly the tapes. They didn't ask Biden for tapes. He doesn't, probably doesn't have tapes. It's, it was a disgrace what they did. And they did it for political reasons. They did it because they're not polling. I don't see how they can poll. The country's going to hell. So you did start the show by, uh, thank you, that was Roger Stone and Donald Trump. If you missed it, go to WABCRadio.com. You're welcome, Matt Meany. WABCRadio.com and listen to a great interview with my dear friend Roger Stone and my other good buddy, uh, President Trump. But we did start with You're My Home by Billy Joel, picked out uh, by Lou Rafino, who's a genius. And that's because I am getting very, very cl- close to going home. I was actually in Rockaway on Saturday but I want to send a shout-out to my guy, uh, Sean, and Timmy. Sean owns the place. Timmy's the bartender. We had a great lunch at a place that Lou and MJ love, Harbor Lights. And I think you folks in Rockaway know that place because that's a restaurant on about 130, between 130 and 131. Or if you remember, right after 9-11, about two months after that, I was uh, on the Intrepid with Vernon and the Imus crew, and a plane crashed. In Rockaway, into homes, right into Rockaway. The plane crashed two months later. I've told you this story a million times. At the time, Imus was on the phone with the acting head of Homeland Security, a guy out of Pennsylvania named Tom Ridge. And I whispered in Imus's ear, I go, hey, I'm in. 
another plane is down. And initially we all thought it was terrorism. Why not? Two months after 9-11. As it turns out, mechanical issues, plane crashes, kills people on the ground in their homes. And it happened right across the street, as you know, Lou, well, from Harbor Lights. You were, you were like the, uh, the second Andrew Card. Almost. Yes. Yes, yeah, I was. Right? But you love that restaurant there in uh, in Bell Harbor. Oh, it's fantastic. Sean's a great guy. Great. Great, great place, guy. great people. It's great. So we had lunch there on Saturday, and then uh, we came back again yesterday. My guy, Rich Clifton, all he can to uh, get that house ready. And it looks like, barring any major disasters, now look, there's no kitchen yet. We have no kitchen. I mean, zero. We have no glass doors for the showers and we have these new showers with jets and all that, so the water goes everywhere. So there is, oh, excuse me. So there is some work to be done here. But uh, we can probably go home Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Again, can't eat home. Got to order out just about every day, which we do in the city anyway. And it's a lot cheaper to eat in Queens and Brooklyn than it is in Manhattan. I can't tell you the thousand, we're broke. We are absolutely broke. Laying out money that insurance never paid, eating out every night. I mean, thousands of dollars a week. we got four people eating in uh, New York City. So at the very least, you know, you put your head above water when you go home and eat in Queens and Brooklyn. So we're looking at maybe Wednesday or Thursday. My little boy Gabriel graduates from eighth grade. I can't believe he's going to high school. Gabe graduates from eighth grade on Wednesday. And as soon as he's done with graduation, he and I are going to make our way, Lewis, towards the ferry down by Wall Street and go back, I think. So Wednesday or Thursday. Now, we still have the apartment in the city. In fact, my daughter Ava's going to use it. She has her friends from London in town. And Friday, I've got a very busy day because it looks like I'll be on WFAN with Craig and Evan Friday afternoon before his big softball game on Saturday on Staten Island, which I'm playing in. And then Friday night, I'm back on Jesse Waters for my appearance on Fox News, so I'll probably stay in the city on Friday. So what it says to me is is that in my next contract here at the WABC, and there'll be another one, got to figure out a way for John to find me an apartment in the city and, and uh, pay for that. So we'll save thousands of dollars a month on this ridiculous ride from Queens to Manhattan every morning, which I'm sick of paying and don't want to pay anymore. Well, maybe your friend Roger Stone can uh, help you out with I'll that I'll call one. Roger Stone yes. and see if he uh, knows anybody at a car service that'll drive me in for free. I'm sure he'll help you out. Yeah. We're good friends. We and, are good buddies. Yeah, he's the great. Why is it bothering you that me and Stone are good buddies? Well, what is, well, you're like almost jealous. How do you, why do you say it's bothering me? Because I can see it is. You're trying to be funny, but no, no, clearly no. you're jealous I'm that I've got a long relationship with Roger Stone. No, it, yeah, it's so long, it's no, you can't even remember. How many it. years? He was on when they raided his house in Fort Lauderdale. What are you talking about? Okay, great. That's hey, great. Hey, Justin, how close are me and uh, Roger Stone for you guys, Lewis? You guys are like best friends. Thank you. Thank you. All right. But then I'm wrong. Got it. Got it. So we don't have to. We, it's it's kind of redundant then to play a cut like that, that, that when he refers to you as the great Sid Rosenberg, you should be well aware of that by now because you're such great friends. Roger so Stone, yeah. Roger Stone will be the first person to come by your house on Thursday and make sure everything's all set up. Thank you, Justin. Thank yeah, you very much. He'll be there. Thank yeah. you. And yeah. he'll have a couple of ideas for how you're going to keep an apartment in Manhattan. He'll, he'll have laid <laughs> yeah. out a couple. He has a couple of realtors. Just because we're good friends doesn't mean I'm not appreciative. Not everybody does that. Some of you guys are good friends, you bastards, and don't forget when I was sick, and didn't even call me. So the fact that Roger, being my good friend, actually said the great Sid Rosenberg, 
should be uh, something you guys should uh, take heed to. Right, okay. Did yeah. Roger Stone call you when you were sick and make sure you were No, he never called me. Okay. Roger Stone didn't even. I don't think he has my number. There. No, he wasn't. Yeah, even well, I changed my, oh, well, wait a second. I changed my number two years ago. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, two years right. ago. Two yeah. years, yeah. yeah. Maybe right. two and a half years. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I heard you the the, the week after that uh, talking about how you were trying Roger Stone. Uh, okay, you know what? Uh, listen, on how to Justin, voice book back. Roger Stone this week, and I'll put him into all this. This is nonsense. Well, if you're such good friends with him, you can book him yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just text him. <laughs> I'm going to all of you. Hey, Sid, I heard you talking about me. What's up? How's Danielle? <laughs> I don't think he even knows my wife's name, to be honest with you. No. Anyway. He has no idea. We'll book him this week. Oh, uh, what's coming? Me and Roger. Back and better than ever. So Joe Murray, my uh, dear friend out there in the ponds, his fiance Jody Tucci, is doing something very special. Coming up this morning at a school in Howard Beach, Queens, cutting a ribbon. Why? You'll find out. Jody will join me at 645. Rich Lowry, his Monday morning visit coming up at 740. The great Curtis Sliwa. You talk about great every weekday morning at 705. He's kicking ass on this show. Gnomes Nuggets coming up at 825. Attorney Alan Dershowitz, my Brooklyn buddy. He's coming up at 8.40. Gary Myers, many, many years as a great sports writer for the New York Daily News. He's written a tremendous amount of good books. His new book is out about the New York football giants. We'll talk to Gary Myers coming up at 9.05. And then Dove Hyken, he'll be here at 9.25. It's a huge Monday edition of your favorite sports show. Excuse me. Talk show in town. Sitting friends in the morning exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Richard, we don't talk anymore. So Louie knows, of course, I made at least one long trip. I made two. Rockaway Saturday and Sunday, Howard Beach Sunday, too. My dear friend Jen, don't say aesthetics, Jen, her daughter Ava. We've been to uh, Jen's house now two consecutive Sundays. Two weeks ago was Ava's graduation party. Her daughter, not mine. They're good friends, both Ava's. Yesterday was Ava's birthday, so we stopped by. But um, anytime I make these long trips, we usually play on the car Yacht Rock Radio. And where are you going to hear Cliff Richard? Yacht Rock Radio. So, Lou, how many songs did I send you this weekend? It was <clears throat> not the, not too much. Not too much. About five, right? That's it, right? Yeah. Because Danielle gets mad. She's like, stop annoying him. I'm like, how is that annoying? If I sent it to Roger Stone, he wouldn't care because he's my good friend. Yes, that's right. How yeah. many texts did he get of songs? Roger actually? Stone? Yeah. He, well, he, he doesn't work on the show, maybe. so oh, well, oh, maybe, I sent him many texts well, about Well, maybe the song, he wanted but... to see if he liked them. <laughs> well, I didn't do that, no. No. I didn't uh, do that, no. Uh, I'm just checking. Yeah. So the uh, <laughs> the Trump indictment, Trump, of course, is set to go to court in Miami tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. He was at Bedminster this weekend. In fact, I think uh, Drew played golf with him on Friday. I don't know. I don't even care. But he, um, he's going to make his way to Miami tomorrow for a court appearance at 3 o'clock. Then I think he's coming right back to Jersey right after to make some type of announcement, some press conference, some speech coming up tomorrow night. But almost everybody I spoke to this weekend thought, very anecdotal, I know that this indictment was really bad. Now, the more I think about this and discussing this with my man Frank Morano this morning, who's really very, very smart, mind you, the more I think about this, uh, I think Trump is going to be okay. I just do. I'm sorry. I'm not buying into the, you know, the hysteria, the, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm just not doing it. You know, the judge down in Miami, Donald Trump, appointed that judge back in 2020. We know that, right? We know, of course, that a jury in Miami is a lot different than a jury in New York. And as Frank, who will join me tomorrow, pointed out this morning, Hard to believe that one of those 12 jurors, I mean, I lived in Palm Beach County for 16 years in Boca Raton, 16 years. Hard to, and I know all my neighbors love Trump, all of them. Hard to believe there's not going to be one of those 12 that won't be a Trump supporter and not return a, uh, return a guilty verdict. So I don't think it's nearly as bad as everybody else does, but everybody else that I speak to thinks it's really bad. And some folks on TV feel the same way. Like, for example, Donald Trump's former attorney general. Now, we know, of course, that by the end, Trump and Bill Barr, no love lost there. By the end, no love lost there. Barr, although every now and then says something nice about Donald Trump, is also quick to crap on him, too. This was uh, Bill Barr on Fox this weekend who says uh, this. If any one of these things are true, Donald Trump could be toast. Bill Barr, Lewis. Cut number seven. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. If even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a very detailed indictment, uh, and it's very, very damning. And this idea of presenting Trump as a victim here, a victim of a witch hunt, uh, is ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous, because even if it is true, and he did something wrong, Again, if you don't think, Bill Barr, that these people spend every minute of every day trying to find something, which they don't do for other presidents, that's where he's the victim. Look, if he did something wrong, he did something wrong. It's self-inflicted. I get that. Where he becomes a victim is 
These people spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, looking for something. They don't do the same thing, Bill Barr, Barack Obama, or Bill Clinton, or Joe Biden. And if you think they do, then as smart as you are, you're not. You're stupid or naive. That's the issue. Not whether or not Donald Trump did something wrong, but why him every time? Why him every time? Here's John Turley on Fox News. He also says this stuff, extremely damning, cut number eight. No, it is an extremely damning indictment. Uh, You know, there are indictments that are sometimes called narrative or speaking indictments. These are indictments uh, that are really meant to uh, make a point as to the depth of the evidence. There are some indictments that are just bare bones. This is not. Uh, The special counsel uh, knew that there would be a lot of people who were going to allege uh, that the Department of Justice was acting in a biased or, or politically motivated way. This is clearly an indictment uh, that was drafted to answer those questions. It's overwhelming in details. And, you know, the Trump team should not fool itself. These are hits below the waterline. Uh, these are witnesses who apparently testified under oath, gave statements to federal investigators, both of which can be criminally charged if they're false. Those witnesses are directly quoting the president uh, in in encouraging others not to look for documents or allegedly uh, to conceal them. Uh, It's damaging. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Yeah, Here he goes on, John Turley. And, uh, And again, I'm not saying this indictment isn't bad news for Trump. All I'm saying is they just look for stuff for him. Now, they found it, and maybe Donald Trump did this to himself, but the idea that they treat all these presidents the same, that's my issue. But but I'm not denying the indictment isn't very damning. Of course it is. Uh, Tony goes on to say judges are in a tough spot here. Lewis, Jonathan Turley, cut number nine. These judges are going to be in a tough position. They don't want to be interfering with the choice of the public. But that choice can have direct impact on his or her case because if he's elected, In my view, he can't pardon himself, and that may be part of the calculation for some voters. Uh, You just have to hope the clock runs out on this. And, look, I have to admit, all these, you know, the impeachments, now you got these two indictments, Alvin Bragg here in New York City. This one, it hasn't made me upset. It hasn't made me run away from Trump. And I'm not nearly the Trump supporter that Bernard was, although I'm getting there. I really am getting there. In fact, it's pissing me off. Because, again, even if Trump did something wrong here, and seemingly he did, he's got a target on his back like no one else does. And that's unfair. That's just unfair. So I think a lot of Trump supporters, like me, they see that mugshot, they're just going to dig in. Jonathan Turley agrees. Last one, Lewis. Jonathan Turley, cut number 10. Smith would love uh, former President Trump to go ahead and ask for a speedy trial. He could get this on the road and and wrapped up before the election. I don't think that's going to happen. And so they're going to collide with these primaries and the election. Most judges would be very leery about uh, moving ahead with a trial within months of that election. Uh, Putting aside the fact that you have the leading presidential candidate who wants to campaign. And ironically, this is likely to be one of the issues he campaigns on. I mean, the, the Trump is already making clear that this is part of 
the long history of his being targeted by the Justice Department. It's true. He's going to run on that. He's going to make his mugshot a virtual campaign poster. Good. His mugshot a campaign poster. John, you can talk all you want about the seriousness of the indictment, and it is. And he may have, in fact, done something wrong here. But how can you deny, how can you deny that the DOJ doesn't wake up every single day looking for a way to nail this guy? I'm sorry. Biden's got 19,000 boxes, Chinatown, Corvette. Well, it's different because they asked Trump to give it back, and he told his people to lie. And Come on, please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Both could be true. It could be this indictment is damning. And Trump did something wrong, but also that they spend every second of every day trying to screw this guy. Both could be true, Jonathan. That's all I'm asking for. Be honest. Anyway, Tropic and uh, Jody Tucci, Joe Murray's fiance, coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. My guy, John Katsimatidis, the man, does this great show every Sunday morning, the Cats Roundtable, where John Katsimatidis and common sense prevail, always tells both sides of the story. It's every Sunday morning starting at 8. Listen, anytime on the 77 WABC app here, John talks with my really good buddy. This is cut number two, Roger Stone. Let's start the show with Roger Stone. What's going on with President Trump? We now have absolute stone-cold proof, I should say, that Joe Biden and his son each took a $5 million bribe uh, in order to get a prosecutor who was hot on Hunter Biden's trail in Ukraine fired. And who gets indicted? Who gets impeached? Not Joe Biden. They go out and try to take out Donald Trump based on some arcane construction regarding his handling of presidential documents. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. GoboLaw, where winning is no accident. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionChanklist.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Start on the diamond here in the Bronx. The Yankees drop the rubber match finale against the Boston Red Sox 3-2 to surrender the weekend series to their division rival. Jose Trevino's early two-run single was essentially all the Bombers could muster up at the dish as the offense continues to sputter with the absences of Aaron Judge and Harrison Bader. After an off day today, they'll try and get back on track against the lowly Mets in the first installment of the Subway Series this season. Uh, set to get underway tomorrow night in Queens. And after snapping a seven-game... Calm game, down, lowly Mets. What do you Put mean? a puncher across the face. They're like six games under 500, dude. They do suck. You're right. Yeah. They're all lowly. Good, good choice of uh, adjective, yes. Yeah, thank you. 
<laughs> how else to, to describe an abysmal ball club? Ah, speaking of those Mets, though, snapping a seven-game losing streak on Saturday night in Pittsburgh. The Mets got right back to their losing ways yesterday with a 2-1 to loss in the series finale with the Pirates. A Jeff McNeil home run was one of just three hits on the day for the New York Bats. is a solid showing out of Carlos Carrasco, and the bullpen goes to ways. The loss hands the Mets their third straight series loss before heading into that short subway series against the Yankees tomorrow night on the hardwood tonight. The Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat set to tip it off for Game 5 of the NBA Finals at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Denver. Denver currently holding a commanding three games to one series lead. Here was Sports 77, WABC, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. I'm Justin Ellick on 77, WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77, WABC. You know, talking about hot talk, I decided there's an officer in Howard Beach. His name is Officer Beck. I hope he's listening. He's at the 106, and he helped me with something this week. I'm going to talk about Howard Beach momentarily. So I decided three summers removed from that BLM summer where all these animals across this country spit on cops, kicked cops, punched cops, threw water on cops. You remember what happened. It still happens to this day. It hasn't changed. I decided uh, that on this program, being that I love the cops and the Cubs, lo- the cops love me, we're going to do a summer of appreciation for the cops. And it starts this week. So whether it's the 106 in Howard Beach, the 100 Lewis by you and I in Rockaway, Brooklyn, I don't care where it is, we're going to bring on the captain or the lieutenant, somebody with a high ranking. Bo knows these people, Bo Deedle, and on the Sid Rosenberg Show here, Instead of them demonizing cops, which too many people in New York do and the politicians do, those scumbags, we're going to have the summer of appreciation for cops. More details to come. But talking about Howard Beach, I mentioned Howard Beach a couple of times already this morning. So my dear friend Joel Murray, big-time attorney, he's in the pageant, puts on that amazing Christmas party every year. He contacted me because his fiance, who Danielle and I know very well, sweet lady, Jody Tucci, She works at uh, PSMS 146 in Howard Beach, and she's on this sustainability committee. In fact, she's the coordinator. And sustainability basically is schools across the city and the state are trying to be, uh, I guess, green-friendly, better environment. You know, last week we had that issue with Canada, and the air quality was awful. And these are the types of things that Jody Tucci is trying to improve at her school in Howard Beach and schools across the city. So later on this morning, they're going to have a ribbon-cutting ceremony coming up at uh, 10 o'clock where they're focusing once again on sustainability throughout the New York City schools, but this one is specifically at 146 in Howard Beach. So with that said, here she is, Jody Tucci. Jody, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Finn? Doing well. It's uh, been a while since we saw each other. I think we're probably coming home later on this week. I look forward to our next dinner at Rocco's or, or not at the Rockaway Hotel. Um, tell me about this. Tell me about uh, what is exactly the sustainability program about and uh, what's happening at your school in Howard Beach later on this morning. Okay, so I am the sustainability coordinator of my school building, and we know that our mayor 
has a big initiative citywide that he is trying to like make a lot of uh, New York City public schools more sustainable. So we started a garden team at my school under my amazing principal, Mrs. Danielle Cross. She had a vision of having an outdoor learning space and a garden, a gratitude garden, and a couple of friends of, of mine, teachers. We worked before school, after school. We had many, many donations, and we just made this whole dream come true. And today we're having a beautiful ribbon cutting um, to open up this outdoor learning center and gratitude garden to the school, and it's beautifying the community. Um, I have my principal right next to me. She'd love to say a few words as well. Okay, let's talk to the principal of this school, Danielle. I know that name very well. Mrs. Danielle Cross, again, the principal at 146 in Howard Beach. Their sustainability program has gotten to the point where today I'll have a ribbon-cutting ceremony, the garden outside, which will make life really nice for the students to learn. Uh, Mrs. Cross, how are you this morning? Hi, good morning. I'm doing wonderful. Nice to have you. So uh, Jody just touched on exactly what you guys are doing. I'm glad to hear Mayor Eric Adams, my buddy there, is on board. Talk more about uh, specifically what your school is doing and and if other schools across the city are following your lead and will do the same. Absolutely. So we also linked it with uh, Chancellor Banks' uh, four pillars of building trust and prioritizing wellness and the link to student success. So our goal here and the vision that I had with the garden team was to extend learning beyond the four walls of the classroom so students could get outside, and especially after the pandemic, um, we really wanted a unique and a valuable learning experience for the kids. I love that. You know, it was a space where they could explore and connect with nature, learn about sustainability, and especially develop a sense of gratitude and appreciation for the world that's around them. This is the complete opposite, Mrs. Cross, of what we went through a couple of weeks ago when it looked like the city was going to start putting, well, they did actually, they did start putting them, migrants in uh, all these schools across the city, gymnasiums, and I know your school in Howard Beach didn't go through that, but at the time... Were you nervous or not really? Um, nope, not nervous. I just go with the flow. Well, that's smart. Well, this is a good thing. This is a, a big day for you guys. And are any city officials going to be there with you today? Yes, we do have some city officials here this morning with us. How many other schools do you think around the city will be doing exactly what you guys are doing? Seems like a great thing for the kids. I really hope that we could inspire other schools that are around us, um, You know, this was just something that, you know, was on a sketch of paper, you know, and it really was brought to life by the great team that I'm surrounded by. So I do hope that we can inspire other schools in the district and citywide. How big is that area outside for these kids? Um, The square footage, um, that's not, I'm not quite sure what the square footage is, but it's a nice, I want to say around, you know, like, we have the whole garden section, which is probably around 3,000 square feet, if not more. Wow. Um, and then the outdoor learning space, we have around, like, five tables. We have games outside for them, a whiteboard, and out, you know, an outdoor carpet. So it really mirrors what's inside to be brought outside. And, again, the, uh, the students in this school, these are grades. What, what are the exact grades? We have 3K to 8th grade. Okay, so right before uh, high school, exactly. Well, uh, congratulations, uh, Mrs. Danielle Cross, and to my friend there, Jody Tucci, Joe Murray's fiance, on this uh, terrific day for you guys. It's a great day for the kids. I would hope that a lot of schools across the city follow suit. I always feel it's always better for the kids to be outside, even during COVID. 
I was like, get these kids, get everybody, adults, people outside, because nothing, nothing is better than the vitamins you get being outdoors, especially this time of year. Uh, once again, the school is PSMS 146 in Howard Beach, Queens. Ladies, congratulations. Thank you, Sid. This is Joe Murray. Hi, uh, Joe. How are you, buddy? Excellent. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Looking forward to getting home one of these days. You can't imagine. I can't wait to see you. You can't imagine the job that these ladies have done over at this school. Day and night, they were out there working to create this for the children. What an amazing job they did. I'm very proud of them. Ah, you should be. It sounds great. So I'll throw you in the mix, too. Jody Tucci, Joe Murray, Mrs. Danielle Cross, congratulations to all three of you. Again, the ribbon-cutting ceremony comes your way at 10 o'clock this morning. Enjoy it. And, uh, Joe, I'll see you in the neighborhood very, very soon, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, Sid. Take care. Take care, pal. All right, there you have it. So the sustainability program seemingly going very well in Howard Beach, and hopefully this will be the case with all schools across the city. That kicks off a really great schedule of guests today. I got to give credit to Curtis Sliwa. You know, Curtis, uh, I think he started off, was it two days a week, Lewis? It was Monday and Friday, right. originally. Then it went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yes. Then we threw in Thursday. Yes. And then, um, well, once this, we, well, this is all my decision. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like John or Chad. Nobody said to me, put Curtis on. Nobody. Nobody. And then I decided five days a week because the guy does his homework. His uh, wife, Nancy, who's going through a lot right now, she went through a lot of tests on Friday, I know that. She's done a uh, deep dive on just about everybody in this city. He's always entertaining. He's always energetic. So now we put him on five days a week, and even folks that hate him love him. So Curtis uh, gets us going at 7.05. Which Lowry coming up at 7.40. He's always terrific, the editor of the National Review. Noam Layden, Noam's Nuggets, 8.25. The amazing constitutional attorney, Alan Dershowitz here at 8.40, writer, sports, New York Daily News. He's written a ton of great books. His newest one is about to come out. It's on the New York football giants. Once a Giant is the name of the book. Gary Myers will join us at 9.05. And Dolph Hyken, he is furious that weeks and weeks after that hateful speech from that girl at CUNY, no one got fired, nothing's been done, and guess what, Dolph Hyken is exactly right. One hour in the books, three more to go. Sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. In the rolling mist, they get so low. Now there'll be no turning back. Beware that hooded old man at the rudder. And then the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled. And people calling out his name. There is trouble ahead So you must pay me now Don't do it You must pay me now Don't do it 77 WABC This is Sit in Friends in the Morning No, I get by with a little help from my friends This is Roger Stone This has been the Roger Stone Show Stay tuned to WABC I am honored to be on a station with people like Larry Kudlow, uh, the greatest mayor in New York City history, Rudy Giuliani, my old friends, Cindy Adams, as well as the great Sid Rosenberg.
Oh, my God. They're showing this story now about these uh, four kids. I'm sorry. The mom was dying. She told the kids, go, and you'll see what your father is made of. And she died seconds later when these four kids survived in the Amazon. This is an unbelievable story. The mother, after the plane crash, telling the kids, go, see what your dad is made of. And she died, and they survived. It's my friend Roger Stone who does a show on this station. I'm so happy for him. Three o'clock every Saturday, and uh, he had uh, Donald Trump on this weekend. So Roger Stone kicking some major ass, and uh, he did the right thing. He kissed the ring at the end of his show this weekend. So uh, Curtis Sliwa, who does a tremendous job, noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long here. Your ears must have been ringing because Saturday, uh, maybe it was Sunday, Sunday. So we drive a lot now from lower Manhattan to the house in Bell Harbor. We should be moving home Wednesday or Thursday of this week. In fact, I'm going there again today. And I always tell Danielle, don't put the news on. Yes. Because I work in news five days a week. I don't want to hear about it. Right. It's so depressing. It is. And she still puts on 10-10 wins every time, you know. So in the car yesterday for about 30 minutes, it was rape after murder after kill after murder. But specifically... And here's where you must have been uh, hearing us, because we mentioned you about ten times. Another brutal weekend on the subways. Yes. Three major attacks on Saturday. One rape. Uh, one uh, where the where the guy actually held the door for the lady. She thanked him, and then he slashed her. There were yeah. two slashings. So when you say to me, Sid, when people tell you the crime is down and the subway is a safe place to travel... Trust me, I'm on it every day. That's not the case. Boy, were you right this weekend. And uh, you should tell your very dear friend, Arthur Idala, remember, who came on and said, oh, it's so much better in the subway. I ride the subways every day. Get out of here. Stick to the law, pal. You know nothing about the subway. Look, Sid, all you had to do was listen to my husband-in-law, David Patterson, doom and gloom as he gave his interview with uh, John Katsimatidis front page story of the New York Post, things are really bad in New York City. Now, was this Saturday? Uh, no, on oh, Sunday yesterday. morning. Right, right, eight right, to right. ten. Right away, it was a bulletin up there. Things are really bad. Nobody supported Eric Adams more than David Patterson. I mean, he had both his lips on his left hookers. You had them on <laughs> his right hookers. Right. And he is just about ready to throw the mayor under the bus. Is that right? You know, on Sunday in the Daily News, you remember Richard Johnson. Of course. Great. Page Great. six. I mean, this was the guy who knew where everybody's bones were buried. He did a piece about Eric Adams. He's staying up till 3.30 in the morning, jumping from nightclub to nightclub. He named all the nightclubs. Sid, you got to talk to your friend. Well, is he still, because I know that was a big deal when he first took office. No. He's still doing he it? He outlines all the nightclubs, all the people who he's hanging out with. You cannot be up to 3.30 in the morning. And then get up in the morning, which he does. He's not like a de Blasio, you know, he mails it in. And to be able to function, you just can't. He's got to stop this nightclub routine. He's out there every night. Richard Johnson had the timeline. And you know some Eric Adams is proud of it. That's his proudest accomplishment. The city is a disaster. You listen to David Patterson, number one supporter of Eric Adams, right? And he's saying, boy, this city and the real estate and everything's going and it's collapsing. And I say to myself, yeah, now you're but listening wait, to You say everything is collapsing, and I do listen to you. You know, I, I, you're on the show five days a week because I think the world of you. What do you do? But I've got a friend named Corey Zelnick. Uh, he's your friend, too. 
He's in commercial real estate, listens to this show every day about the sweetest person you'll ever meet. He's renting out his spaces. Then we bring in Suzanne Miller. She does her work on the, the residential side. She's saying almost every apartment is renting here Sid, in Manhattan. Are Sid, they both lying? Sid, Why would they lie? Sid, you yeah. really think they're going to come on and say things are a disaster? Come on. Well, no. Their like, business. I know because I say to Corey, I go, Corey, when I go to the Upper West Side about once a month to do my hair and my back and all that, every other store is for sale. Or for rent, I should and say. And if they weren't weed shops, illegal weed shops, there'd be even more. You go right down the block from us, there are four hotels empty. And the Adams administration is looking uh, at that to house his friends, the illegal aliens. Tell Corey Zeldin, come to Curtis Lewa. I will. I'm I'm your Papa Chulo. I'm going to bring him in. I know where all the bones are buried. I'm going to bring him in to talk to you live in studio. But, for example, I've been staying at the uh, the Gateway buildings. There's four huge ones in Battery Park. I'm going home Wednesday, thank God. But those are huge buildings. Curtis, every apartment is rented. That is not a reflection of the health of the city. It's not. Okay. In any way, shape. Look at the police commissioner. You wouldn't listen to me about the police commissioner. I like her. Yeah, you can like her. Okay. I told you she was on the shelf. She was a placebo police commissioner. Big article in the New York Post. They won't even allow her to take a detective and to give a detective a promotion. Everything has to go to Eric Adams, a.k.a. Phil Banks, a crook, a deputy mayor who is an unindicted co-conspirator who became a confidential informant in order to avoid going to jail. Now, what does Keyshawn Shewell do? She only gets to meet with Phil Banks on Sundays, and I hope it's in the pew of a church and in, not in a no-tell hotel holiday in Express. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, she it seems like she was the one who was dropping the hammer on Jeff Madry. Yes. One of the highest-rated police and, officers and in the city. That's the blue. Let me tell you a little bit about Jeffrey Madry. Okay. I know Jeffrey Madry. Of right? course you do. We were talking Howard Beach. Let's look over at Lindenwood and Ozone Park. Lindenwood is where the diner is. Well, they did all those scenes in Goodfellas, yeah. right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, he's on a little hilltop in the park in Ozone Park. And his gumada, who happened to be his female driver in the NYPD, had a gun to his head because he wouldn't leave his wife. He had promised Come something on. to leave my wife. This all, this all fact. This, talking about Goodfellas, this is like straight from the movie. This all fact. Karen, put the gun down, Karen. Right, so all the cops come running over from the precinct, their guns drawn. And Jeffrey Madry, I think he was head of the 7-5 precinct at the time of 7-3 in Brownsville, says, I got it, guys. I got it. Is this a story that's been documented, that's been published? It's been in the papers. Okay. This woman is suing us, the taxpayers, for millions and millions of dollars. And who does Eric Adams elevate to the top uniform position in the NYPD? His very dear friend, Jeffrey Madry, who now is up on charges because he walked into the 7-3 precinct. His former colleague had a, what, took out a gun. They arrested him, and he said, negate that. Negate that. And naturally, Keechan Sewell said, you can't do that. We got it. We got to put him up on charge. So she was doing her job in this case. She did a good job, yep. you're saying. Okay. Nothing goes through her now. All she does is show up at parades and wave. 
doesn't have any meetings with the deputy chief chiefs. And I told you all this months ago. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But I did see her twice. Oh, now that you mention it. In the parade. They were both ceremonies. No, they were down by the uh, the NYPD memorial wall. And, and the number two guy is always with her, a guy named Cabani. Yes. He's, he's made his bones. I've met him both times down by the memorial wall. Yes. One time was to unveil the 77 new names. And a month later, Tom Biggers, he runs that 5K run every year. She made speeches at both. Both, but you're See, right. It was a run they and don't a wall. Let her do anything. But why not? Because she's a placebo police commissioner. She's the eye candy of having a female. Remember what Eric Adams said? I'm going to have a female police commissioner, and she's going to be black. How the hell do you make a statement like that? Well, he didn't say police commissioner. He said all of my folks yeah, yeah, but the are going to be females. Look, the most important yes, one yes. is the police commissioner. You, you see, you would think that he would let her do more stuff. And I mean this, even though she's a great lady and I love her, because things are not going great in the city, and he can blame somebody else. Now, but, but people in the know know that he's really the one that's kind of pulling the strings. Look, and you better put the pressure on your very dear friend, Pete King, right, who is an Eric Adams Republican. He sees no fault in him. And he's always saying, oh, Keyshawn Sewell, the best. She was the head of detectives in Nassau County. She was not ready for prime time. Everybody knows that. The only reason she became police commissioner is she was black and a woman. Now, Peter King keeps talking about what a great job she's doing. Hey, Peter King, when you're out with your drinking buddies, <laughs> all the cops, don't you ask them why they don't let her do anything? Are you oblivious to this? Is everybody so blind that they don't see what's going on in their city that their top uniform cop, Jeffrey Madry, is going to cost us millions and millions of dollars in this lawsuit with his gumare, who used to be his driver in the NYPD? So you say that as much as you like Keisha, and I do too, that she wasn't ready for the job. Not ready for prime Okay, time. then you go back to the mayor before Eric was, of course, Bill. And he had people like Dermache. Oh, what a what a lapdog! Okay, right? that's my point. He has people like Jimmy O'Neill. Oh, horrible! Although right. I met him as a transit cop years right. ago so, in Flatbush. So you're telling me that in the great city, with all these mayors and all these great cops, that you got to go back to Bill Bratton to find a decent police commissioner? Ray Kelly. Oh, the Ray very Kelly. Best. Right, Ray Kelly. Twelve yeah. years. Right, right, of course. The very best. Now, let me let me just do a pivot and shift on you, as your oh, friend Eric Adams likes to say. You talk about Roger Stone. You know how much you have in common with Roger Stone. First of all, if you didn't play the cut, Justin, he asked the former president, Donald Trump, about UFOs. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Why? Why? Because at the interact, every president has always promised to release the files on the UFOs. It's stupid. They make Frank Morano talk about that. I never played no, no, that No, no, just one question. Yes, okay, so what is so it? So it wasn't Why? all the same typical question. Yeah. Number two, he is a fashionista like you extraordinary. Yes, he is. You, Eric Adams, and... Uh, uh, Roger Stone. In fact, he's become the Earl Blackwell of our time. He puts out a <laughs> list, which now you're guaranteed to be on the list next year. <laughs> yeah, There's no doubt about it. He was also, and probably still is, a swinger extraordinaire. Don't say that. Fort Lauderdale, he got cold busted. He was actually advertising swinger clubs, and he got bumped, I think, oh my from God, Bush I love 41's him. campaign. Now, you know that, uh, now I love him even more, that... Um you know the Panisse couple, Claire and uh, her husband, and uh, they own La Mer. Remember oh. La Mer, the catering oh. place in Brooklyn? Yes. So oh. he died, and uh, Claire went down to South Florida, and I believe she was the one, Claire Panisse, may still be alive, I'm not sure, 
who reopened, it used to be called Plato's Retreat yes. here in New York. Oh, forget which, it. And they, they, they would have supervisors walk around to make sure you had your condom on your right. jimmy cap. Exactly. So she opened Plato's Repeat yes. down in South Florida. So you're telling me Roger Stone was probably a frequent visitor of that Biggest club. swinger <laughs> ever. Really? Lost his position because it was published. He couldn't deny it. And yet every Republican knows this guy's the political hitman. In fact, they interviewed me extensively for the Netflix documentary that was so well-received called Get Me Roger Stone. And I was telling the, the audience where all of his political bones are buried. He was the campaign manager for Al Slim Shady Sharpton's presidential campaign 2004. Wait a second. The Stone? Only, yes. The only reason was to disrupt the many Democrats who were running. The disruptor and shopped and took the money and disrupted it. And I know exactly how that happened. Roger Stone was a white boy in 2004 living in Harlem. And then nobody wanted to acknowledge that. I talked about it. And you know who left me on the cutting room floor of the Netflix documentary? Your very dear friend, Frank Morano. No, he didn't. Yes, who was part of the team that made that documentary. But wait a second. Uh, I was told last week... That Frank Morano, after Bo Deedle, uh has he's he's admitted I'm okay with him now. That Frank Morano is part of the quote unquote family. Seems like right now you're kind of going back on that just a little. Well, he he left me on the cutting room floor because I said that Roger Stone, who has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back, that I know is a political hitman. He is the most vicious political hitman. Let me tell you another story about Roger Stone. Is Frank Morano still in the family, though? Oh, completely with uh, Roger okay. Stone. I don't uh, know about us. You know him. He <laughs> yeah. vacillates. Right. But Frank Morano, I think it was Joe Borelli, I think it was uh, Nicole Maliotakis, a whole group of Republicans went up to the Trump Tower to try to convince the Donald and his family that he should run against Andrew Evilize Cuomo. And they were making a compelling reason. Uh, we can raise a lot of money. And, you know, Roger Stone interjected. He is the Rasputin of politics. Donald Trump knows that Roger Stone knows everything. In fact, Roger Stone was the first to say that Donald Trump should run for the presidency. He said, Donald, you want to run for governor? You're the president. You're the future president of the United States. And there was Frank Morano and the rest of them with their tails between their legs. And the Donald looked at all of them and said, yeah, I'll get back to you. And never did, because he listens to Roger Stone. You see, I know where everyone's political bones are buried yes, you do. and who buried them. God, you do. And I am telling you, that was a great 40-minute interview with President Donald Trump yesterday. And you know me. I'm the never-Trumper. They call me a rhino, Republican in name only. They disparage me. What's happening to Donald Trump is a disgrace. Thank you. Three indictments. Thank you. And then all of your friends, right? Oh, this is a serious indictment, a serious indictment. What are you talking about? It's papers that all these presidents have had. Thank you. Bill Clinton had the Gumanis and the papers, <laughs> right? And they did nothing to him. They uh, did right. absolutely right. nothing. So what is this? Oh, it's a serious indictment. Because that's what lawyers do. They worship the altar in federal court. Well, let me tell you, I was in federal court against John Gotti Jr. four times. 
I know it's not what they claim it to be. Oh, you can't fool around in federal court. Oh, it's not like state court or civil court. Let me tell you, it's populated by liars for hire who could just as easily be prosecutors for the federal government, but they make more money as defense attorneys. You're hearing it from me, the never Trumper. The one that the Republicans call a rhino, Republican in name only. This is a double disgrazia. This is a shanda. And stop this nonsense about how great the federal court system is. And I went through it four times against John Gotti Jr. And Joe Murray defended the guy who shot me five times with hollow point bullets. Tell him now that he's out of jail. Put a fortune off ankle bracelet on him. Because he probably was some guy's Maytag in the joint. Oofa! Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. on Curtis Sliwa. That's now twice in two weeks. I can't believe what I'm hearing. That's now twice in two weeks where Curtis Sliwa has defended Donald Trump. All those years, Bernard here, and all those years dating back to 2015, Curtis Sliwa never had one nice thing to say about Donald Trump. Not one. He was, in fact, uh, called a never-Trumper. Now, twice in a week... He's defending Trump, calling this indictment a dyspraxia, dyspraxia, which I said also this morning. Look, I'm not saying that Donald Trump didn't do something wrong here. Sure he did. And that's why legally, according to Bill Barr, Arthur Idala, and others, he may be in trouble. What I'm saying is 
they wake up every morning looking for something which they don't do for anybody else. And that nauseates me. Go take a really good look at Obama's presidency. His boxes, see what he did every day. I promise you, if the media, 99% of it, is liberal, if they woke up every day bashing Obama, had the DOJ working on getting something on Obama, had DAs and AGs in every state, look, they would find something. I can promise you that. But they don't because he's black Jesus. Yes, Barack Obama is black Jesus, but Trump, that scumbag, we're going to get him. And if you don't see that, then you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. So even people like Curtis Sliwa doesn't like Donald Trump, not even a little, but he's a fair guy. He sees it. Well, Trump did it to himself. So what? So did Obama, Clinton, Biden, and many others. But they're not looking for it. They're not looking for it. That's the frustration. I need this guy to run this country. This country's a mess. I don't care that the Oklahoma governor just endorsed Ron DeSantis. I don't care. I don't care that Tim Scott's a nice guy. I love Tim Scott. Great guy. Terrific. I need Donald Trump to restore some semblance of normalcy in this country. And how do I know he can do it? Because he already has. DeSantis hasn't. Tim Scott hasn't. Nobody on the Democrat side is even capable. This piece of garbage in the White House right now, old, yes, falls down a lot. I'm sorry, Grandpa. He's a corrupt piece of garbage, Joe Biden. I need Donald Trump to run this country. And they do everything they can on a daily basis to make sure he doesn't. So I don't care about these documents. I don't care about this indictment. I hope he stays true to his word, which is what he told Roger Stone yesterday. I'm doing this. I'm running. Nothing's going to stop me. I am going to do this. I'm going to run. By the way, Lara Trump, his daughter-in-law, just heard from Darren, Liz Pipko's husband. Lara Trump will join us at 830 tomorrow. Thank you, Darren. There it is uh, one more time. Trump with Roger Stone yesterday, my dear friend Roger on whether he'll stop running because of this nonsense, and Trump gave me the answer I certainly wanted to hear. Cut number one. No, none whatsoever. No, I see no uh, I see no case in which I would do that. I would. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had opportunities in 2016 to do it, and I didn't do it. And uh, some pretty big opportunities, yes, you know. You know, there were people that saying, well, you just not, it's not going to happen. And uh, we did it. We ran a great race. But then think of it. In 2020, we got millions more votes. Yeah, I don't care what Bill Barr says or Jonathan Turley. I'll play two more cuts in which Larry's going to join us. This is his potential daughter-in-law, his real daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, married to his son, Eric, will join me again tomorrow. She's on every couple of weeks. She is a real sitting friend. But Kimberly Guilfoyle, Don Jr.'s girl, she was on uh, Newsmax this weekend, talked about the Trump indictment. Here's what Kimberly Gilboyle had to say. Cut number 11. Where is the prosecution investigation of Joe Biden? Where is the prosecution investigation, Nowhere. quite frankly, of Hillary Clinton or Hunter Biden? Nowhere to be found because they can't beat Donald Trump in the 2024 election. And this is their fear and avarice and evil coming forward, poisoning this country because they want to try to destroy this man. Yeah. They will not succeed. 
They will not succeed. One more, our friend out of South Carolina, the great Lindsey Graham. He was on that horrible show with George Stephanopoulos this week on ABC. He also stepped up for Donald Trump. Lindsey Graham Lewis, cut number 12. Yes, I don't like what President Trump did in certain aspects. I don't like that Joe Biden had classified information on the garage. I don't like that Mike Pence carelessly took classified information. I don't like any of that. But what I don't like is a system in America where the Secretary of uh, State, who's a Democratic uh, candidate for president, has people take a hammer to social media devices and break them apart, apply beach, uh, bleach bit to a hard drive to erase emails, allow classified information to get on a felon's computer, Anthony Weiner. You haven't even mentioned that. Most Republicans believe we live in a country where Hillary Clinton did very similar things and nothing happened to her. President Trump will have his day in court. But espionage charges are absolutely ridiculous. Whether you like Trump or not, he did not commit espionage. He did not disseminate, leak, or provide information to a foreign power or to a news organization to damage this country. He is not a spy. He's overcharged. Couldn't agree more. Had the same conversation with Morano this morning. What he did, in all honesty, so what? So what? All right, before we get to... Uh, my man, which Lowry. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Don't believe the devil. I don't believe his brother. But the truth is never the same without the lies he made up. Don't believe in excess. Success is to give. About the Irish Pete King 747. Come on! But I'm talking about Conor McGregor pulled to Sid Rosenberg many years ago on the IMA show. I actually seriously injured this, actually beautiful. At the time, she was 17. Beautiful young girl. She was a mascot up in Hudson Valley, and I thought it would be cute. She was either a bear, I forgot what she was exactly. I know she was a girl underneath that, that uh, you know, the, the costume. And I knocked the mascot to the floor, and the mascot suffered a shoulder separation. <laughs> it's a true story. Turned out to be this uh, beautiful young girl, and she called into Imus, and Imus and McCord wanted her to sue me, those bastards. So Conor McGregor, something very similar, on an event in Miami this weekend, knocked out a mascot. We'll get to that. And John Sterling, the Yankee announcer, got hit on the head a foul ball in the series this weekend against the Red Sox. We put this time aside every Monday morning. The editor of the National Review, NBC Politico, he does it all. He's a great Monday morning guest. My buddy, Rich Lowry. Good morning, Rich. 
You, you knocked over a, a, a girl ma- mascot? I did, and I had no idea she was. I don't know if it was what a guy kind of or a girl. Are you said? Well, I don't know if she was a girl. It was just a bear. I forgot the exact mascot. I found out afterwards. Not just a girl, by the way, but a gorgeous girl. And I what separated way, what her way shoulder. To, what a way to meet, meet, meet women. I, yeah, yeah. I was married at the time already, but. One of them, one of them hot. Well, at least she was conscious. Conor McGregor knocked this mascot out in Miami this weekend, but we'll get to that after. You know what stories really bothering me before we get to Trump and all the big news? I know it's not a big deal for most people, but Fort Bragg, which is one of the most famous, you know, obviously, uh, bases we've got here in the United States, they're changing, or they've already changed, I'm not sure. The name of Fort Bragg, because Braxton Bragg was a Confederate general, to Fort Liberty. And I know Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence are mm-hmm. fighting this. I'm sorry, Rich. I can never get used to Fort Liberty. Fort Bragg, yeah. come on, man, that's America. So I, I'm not not a big Confederate guy. I don't like the statues um, in, in certain circumstances. But Fort Bragg, I, I'm, I'm big into history. I, I had no idea. You know, the Confederate. I just thought Fort Bragg was Fort Bragg. You right. associate it with the fort right. and the location and the people who've been there. You actually more thought than you actually you actually thought it was named after the Manhattan DA, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who cares, Braxton well Bragg? No one knows who Braxton Bragg is. It's Fort Bragg, right? Exactly. No, I'm with you on that one. The other, the other story that bothered me, kind of a sub story, is Anthony Bass, this relief pitcher. For the Toronto Blue Jays, got DFA'd basically for not being pro LGBTQ yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he liked an Instagram post that said you support the the uh, boycotts of Bud Light and Target, and they immediately made him apologize. To his discredit, he he did apologize, but he wouldn't say he changed his belief or it was hateful. And he was basically chased out of Toronto because of that. He was one of the best relief pitchers last year. Struggled some this year. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, a couple of years ago, you had that ridiculous bubble league with the NBA. They turned everybody off, the BLM nonsense. They wore jerseys. They had stuff on the court. The NFL, of course, has had the kneeling for years, dating back to Colin Kaepernick. And really, outside of hockey, the one sport that kind of stayed away from all that was baseball. And now, between what the Dodgers, oh, you know, yeah. that LBGTQ, which is ridiculous, a White Sox pitcher got into trouble. You got this guy in Toronto. And God forbid you, you stick. It seems like... Rob Manfred basically runs a communist organization. Yeah, it's just like everywhere in American life that that isn't explicitly open or conservative just has this ideology, just absorbs it. What 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 does Major League Baseball? You know, it's not like Oberlin College, right? You should just care right. about how fast someone pitches. Yeah. You know, how hard they hit, That's it. and all the rest of it. Now that they are so invested in this woke ideology, it's part of the reason. So many conservatives are, are, are so disturbed and so invested in pushing back on these cultural issues. Well, I'm not conservative. I'm very liberal when it comes to these social issues. I'm pro-choice. I am pro-gay. But today is June the 11th or the 12th, whatever it is, and I'm already sick of Gay Pride Month. Uh, and, know, and I'm pro-gay. Like... I don't want to see another flag raised. <laughs> I don't care who you sleep with. We're sick of it. It doesn't make you a hero because you like one sexual organ more than the other one. How yeah, does that make you a like hero? It felt like it had already been a year before June started. Right. And, and now, now it's been two years. Right. And again, going back to the Blue Jays, they had a drag queen sing the national anthem. Oh, they stop had it. drag performances at their ball game. Gross. It's gross. Sorry. my Even my good friend Jen yesterday, her daughter's birthday, had drag queens there. She's like, you coming? I go, nope. No thanks. God bless yeah, you. I, Have fun. I, I, Not I for me. I get the, the uh, obsession with drag queens, and especially having drag queens perform for kids. No good. Just anyone... Five ten years ago, said that that's perverse. Don't do it. And it's it still like perverse. A major cause. It's still perverse between you and I. 
and the millions of listening. <laughs> of course. Of course yeah. it is. I tell you what else is perverse. I'll use the same word. Is the left's just relentless assault on Trump. Now, look, I've seen the indictment. He's in trouble. There's no doubt about it. He did something he shouldn't have done. I'm here to tell you that, yes. I'm also here to tell you that if they really dug deep into Obama and Biden and mm-hmm. Clinton and Reagan, they all did something they shouldn't have done, maybe even something illegal. So I'm not denying whether or not Trump did something wrong here. He did, and this may get ugly for him. My my issue is they wake up every day looking to destroy this guy. When I don't think he's done anything different than every other president, all 45 the rest of the way. Yeah, so I'm of two minds of this. One, I don't see how anyone possibly defends giving Hillary Clinton a pass. And that, that's the worst example of, of all, all the ones you just cited. And and nailing Trump to the wall on this. It's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, James, James Comey basically rewrote the law on the fly not to indict Hillary because he thought it would be too much political turmoil to have the Democratic nominee or the Democratic presumptive nominee. I forget exactly when this came down. Uh, fighting a, a criminal case. So he didn't do oh, it. Oh, wait a second. I'll tell you when it yeah. came down because the election was in November. I'm pretty sure that he got on TV and Bernie was still alive. We covered it live that day and really made this incredible 30-minute case why Hillary Clinton was guilty just yeah. to tell us they weren't going to do anything. And I think, Rich, it was October, like a month before. Oh, no, no. It was, it was much earlier. The, the press conference sure? was much earlier Oh, maybe July then, or August. The reopening, the reopening of the case was in October. No, oh, that right. screwed Hillary. That, that was to me, right? That, that was to yeah, me, Yeah, he right? was both. He did yeah. both. Okay. And he shouldn't have done either. Um, that, but that, that's our man, Jim. So, so th- there's a disparity there, obviously. The way they're slow walking the Hunter Biden case, the, the way that they don't seem to be really into the, the, the wider corruption case against the Biden family. All, I grant all that. The problem is, is one, as you say, you know, we'll hear Trump's defense, but it seems very likely he did this. And if, if you did this, if anyone else did this, you'd be in jail. I mean, there's just no question you'd be in jail. So it's, it's sort of kind of which disparity matters to you. Should should Trump get away with it because Hillary get, got away with it, or should Trump not get away with it because there's no way any other person would get away with it? I say, A, if Hillary got away with it, and again, if you dug deep enough into every one of these presidents, especially Obama, you would find a whole bunch of stuff that may be illegal. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to find something, and, and they go at this guy. And I do think that this is a very uh, bad indictment, and I do think – they're going to convict him on something. But, but again, even if he's convicted, that does not stop him from running. No. He's no. not going to jail, so he can still serve. Right? Yeah, so this is where I agree. There's no way he should just stop running because of this indictment. Um, and uh, the, the, it's going to help him the way the Bragg indictment helped him. Maybe all this at the very end, Republican voters are like, ah, too, too much too much baggage. But the, the thing that's frustrating, um, once you get beyond the, the hypocrisy we've just talked about, it was so avoidable. You just just give them the documents back. And it was such a Donald Trump thing. They're like, we want all the documents back. Uh, I'll give you half of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they're like, well, no, we want the other half too. Well, I'll give you half of those. And then, then you know, suggesting to his lawyer, throw some stuff out. And then they, they nail the lawyer because he's made this, these false um, representations. So it was just – it was so avoidable and so Donald Trump. And not really – you know, not because he wanted to sell the documents to Saudi Arabia. He just liked having them and was annoyed by, by get, getting asked to give them back. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's the, the predicate of this whole thing. Well, you're right. It's frustrating because he, he, in the end, whatever happens here – and I like him. He did this to himself. No one can argue that. Now, now they wouldn't know about it. They didn't spend every single second of every day trying to nail him. But in the end, he did do this uh, to himself. 
you know, the Biden stuff, you know, there's a $5 million, $10 million, the number keeps changing. But again, last week, it seemed like there was more evidence. But I had Nancy Mace on the show out of South Carolina. She's knee-deep yeah, in this. That. Oh, you did hear that. Yeah. And I said, Nance, they want bank records. They don't care what you say. They don't care what Comer says. Even if it's all true, Miranda Devine, Tony Bobulinski, they don't care. They want bank records. They want to see a, a, a bank account with Joe Biden's name on it. Mm-hmm. She seemed to intimate they may have that, but you would agree until they show that, no matter how much evidence they've got, it's all circumstantial. Correct. It's, it's, all, it's all circumstantial. Um, the the uh, you know the big guy thing is is a little less than, than circumstantial. That, that he was going to get a ten percent cut of one of these deals. I guess it was with the the Chinese. It's hard to keep track of the the dirty foreign <laughs> money deals. And then the whole setup also like creating these LLCs with uh, anodyne names that that get the payments so they can't be tracked. And then they spread them out to all family members. It's that's what mafia. It's like a mafia type deal. So um, I don't know. But we're just entering uncharted territory. I mean. Trump basically needs to win the presidency so he, he won't be convicted and go to jail. It seems hard to me to see how they actually try this thing before the election. So that's like uh, – it's, it's very third world or very um, Israeli, I guess, now as well. Yeah. Uh, or or he's, he needs his side to win to, to be pardoned, and, and, and a pardon makes a lot of sense to me if, he, if he's not actually elected himself. Yeah. He, uh, right, exactly right. Well, listen, uh, it's great to have you back again here on a Monday morning. Always a spectacular appearance, the great Thank witch, Larry. You, have yourself have a great, great week, week, pal. All the love. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, editor, National Review, Politico, NBC, does his best work right here, 745 every Monday morning, the great witch, Larry. That's a great hour. Curtis Sliwa, witch, Larry, big 8 o'clock hour to come your way. Some nuggets with Gnome and the amazing constitutional attorney, my Brooklyn buddy, Alan Dershowitz, with more on Trump and all the legal dealings we deal with every day in the news. Hour three of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, about to come your way. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. My sister got lucky, married a yuppie, took him for all he was worth. Now she's a swinger, dating a singer. I can't decide which is worse. Is there any way we can get MSNBC off this television? We've removed CNN off the far left TV. It's gone to Fox News. I think my boy Katz, my great buddy John Katz Matidis, makes that decision. I can't, I can't do this show and have Joe and Mika and, and Eugene Robinson and Al Sharpton and Mike Barnacle, these traitors, these America-hating traitors on TV out of the corner of my eye. I can't do it. I don't care what the New York Times says about Donald Trump or some dipshit just now. Sorry, you have to dump that. God almighty. Or some moron just now telling me that (laughs) Donald Trump's... Say it again. Sorry. Donald Trump's uh, documents are of a national security issue. Shut up. (laughs) 
So I'm, I'm, I'm begging at this point. Margo, I know you're listening. You could put it back on MSNBC at 10 o'clock. I don't care. I don't want MSNBC on in the studio between 6 and 10. I don't want it. But you I can, can't do it. But you can keep track of make fun of what they're doing. Well, but it makes me angry. I just, I'm, I'm past the point of, of making fun of it. It makes me angry. Even when Mike Lubaker, that jerk, is on, he's an idiot, too. I just can't do it. But it's good. It's good material. You can just still. No, I can't. Um, Come on. I can't. Okay, good. Well, if I could humbly, humbly. Trump supporters' violent rhetoric in yeah. his defense disturbs experts. Are you nuts? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I can't do it. And then you got to look at them, too. They're, right. They're, they're gross. They're, they're the worst. Right. Right. They I mean, stupid. God, so uh, oh who's God. the other guy? He's such an idiot. Uh, the, 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 his father was a big father deal. father was the guy. Willie yes. Geist. Geist. Yeah. Putz. And then they work Sharpton in a whole lot, too. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't do it anymore. So. Well, I'll humbly ask uh, for access. Put on, like, Channel 5 control. or something. Put on something local. I don't know. I, yeah, if I, if I knew even where the remote was, I would I would do that for you. Well, I don't, know if you, I, I don't think you're allowed. No, I, think you I know. I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm humbly requesting access. It won't no, work. It sounds like I just requested it. Now you just jumped in afterwards. What are you talking about? The whole segment started with me asking them, begging them to change MSNBC. What do you mean you're humbly asking to change? Do you know how to work a television remote? No idea. Okay. Even at home, I don't. I, I know that. I have to make a special trip to Rockaway today just to, to see Verizon Files. I know that. I know. So somebody needs to press the buttons and make sure it changes the channel. And... Want to hear John Stoney get hit by a foul ball? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really do, actually. <laughs> Yankees, Red Sox, and uh, the ball actually ended up, ended up, it went all the way up there and into the broadcast booth. And hit uh, the great John Stilling, who I think is 84 years old. I think it hit him in the head. I don't know. But here's the audio from uh, Yankee Stadium. At the belt. And now the 3-2 th- swung on. A pop foul back here. Ow! <laughs> Ow! Ow! Come on. It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back uh, that far. Susan, are you, Susan, are you okay? <laughs> so once again, it'll be a 3-2. Right back to the game. That's why he's a pro. You see that? Ow! Ow! Oh, and once again, it'll be a 3-2. That, you got to hand it to He just kept on going. Yeah. Guy's like 85. <laughs> well, yeah. At the belt. That one more time. One more. John Stoney getting hit with a foul ball at Yankee Stadium. They're going to listen to the belt. And now the 3-2 swung on. A pop foul back here. Ow. 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So once again, it'll yeah. be a three-two. Yeah, have it. Susan Waldman hit the floor and laughed it for sure. No, but, where, uh, where was she? She was on the field. It was towards the end of the game. Yeah, it was she, literally she in the left. final half of the inning. So then, but then she goes to interview <laughs> Kyle Agashioka, who was her player of the game, and she goes, Agashioka wants to make sure you're all right, John. So John had to hop back on the mic and tell Kyle Oh, my God, was that great? I you got know, a cold compress, John. I'm coming right over. <laughs> I do want to send a shout-out to my dear friend Arnie Wexler. On uh, Friday night, Danielle and I made the trip. Uh, he'd be proud of me, Joe Nolan, out to the New Jersey, the law center at Rutgers University, all the way out in New Brunswick, where the Council on Compulsive Gambling honored Arnie Wexler on Friday night. Everybody knows Arnie. He's done more for the compulsive gambler than anyone alive today. He said, I think he's got like 50 years of abstinence or 65. The number's ridiculous. But it was the 40th gala here. And uh, Orny was uh, being honored. And the keynote speaker, who did a tremendous job, who I'll see twice this week, I'll be a guest on his afternoon show at WFAN Radio. And then Saturday, he's got his annual softball game, raising money for Joseph Lemmy, him and Evan Roberts. Craig Carton was the keynote speaker, and he was great. His wife, Kim, was there. I haven't seen Kim 
in over 20 years. So congratulations to Arnie and Craig. And it was actually a, uh, a wonderful night. Friday night, me and Danielle uh, in New Jersey. Then Saturday, I went home. Shout out to Sean and Timmy, all the guys at Harbor Lights. Had a great lunch as we get closer to going home for good. Hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday of this week, we'll be back in um, in Rockaway. And I did uh, note that there was, uh, I had to be in Howard Beach yesterday. And something happened, not a big deal, but something happened in my personal life that I had to talk to uh, a cop this weekend. His name is Officer Beck. He's at the 106 in Howard Beach. And it gave me the idea, which I know you guys love, three years removed from that BLM summer, where uh, not just BLM, but all these Antifa people and even your, your average people on the streets demonizing police, kicking police, spitting on police, throwing stuff at cop cars, and that still happens today, folks. Maybe not in the numbers of three years ago after the George Floyd killing, but it still happens today. So I came up with the idea in uh, after talking to Officer Beck and Howard Beach. I said, you know, well, if I go down to the memorial like I did uh, twice over the last six weeks, saw Keyshawn Sewell there. We talked about her this morning, me and Curtis unveiling 77 new tra- new names tragically, or Tom Bigger's 5K run. Nobody loves the cops more than us. Actually, John and Margo do a terrific job, I should say. The PAL, they do an amazing job. But we love the cops, and the cops love me. And instead of demonizing police and saying horrible things about police, which is kind of a chic thing to do in New York, it's gross, but it is, like this lowlife who made that speech at CUNY, Dove Hiking, we'll talk about her later, we are going to do, I'm announcing right now on the Sid Rosenberg Show, the Summer of Appreciation for the Police. And whether it's the 106 in Howard Beach or my precinct 100 in Rockaway or Brooklyn or Manhattan or the Bronx, I don't care. We're going to bring on a captain, a lieutenant, somebody from one of these precincts and talk about their neighborhood, what they do, and show our appreciation for the police. It starts today. Alec, you start booking these guests today. The Summer of Appreciation for the NYPD. No one's done it. Not at this level. We're going to spend the whole summer talking to cops and give them the thanks and the honor they deserve. We are going to be the first to do it. Summer of Appreciation for the NYPD and the FDNY. My next-door neighbor, Billy Felton, hero firefighter, his lovely wife, Jackie, and their three kids, sitting friends in the morning will honor the police and the fire, first responders, all the people that are the best part of this city, starting today right through Labor Day. Sound good, Justin? Yeah, sounds good enough to me. All right, let's just do it. Okay. okay. So what did you do so far today for this? Well, nothing. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Stone... Started his show this weekend on WABC, my good buddy Roger Stone. And um, he did a great job. You know, at the end of his show yesterday, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. Uh, he uh, talked about his appreciation for working at WABC. And, well, he mentioned a couple of folks that he was excited to work with. And he did the right thing when he, at the very end, kissed our ring. So if you missed it, this was the end of of Roger Stone, his show yesterday, my guy Roger, and it sounded something like this. This is Roger Stone. This has been the Roger Stone Show. Stay tuned to WABC. 
I am honored to be on a station with people like Larry Kudlow, uh, the greatest mayor in New York City history, Rudy Giuliani, my old friend Cindy Adams, as well as the great Sid Rosenberg. Well done, Roger. Uh, now, before he thanked me and the others, he did speak to President Donald Trump. I believe it's the first interview on radio since the indictment. So great job by Roger. I know uh, Noam has played this a bunch this morning, but he asked the president if he's considering dropping out after this latest indictment. Trump, number one. No, none whatsoever. No, I see no uh, I see no case in which I would do that. I would. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had opportunities in 2016 to do it, and I didn't do it. And uh, some pretty big opportunities, yes, you know. You know, there were people that saying, well, you just not, it's not going to happen. And uh, we did it. We ran a great race. But then think of it. In 2020, we got millions more votes. You know how many people are running right now on the Republican side in this primary? You guys know Lou, Justin, have a number for me. I think it's got to be uh, 13 or 14 13. at this point. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 12. Miami Mayor Suarez talked yesterday on one of those Sunday shows that he's going to make an announcement this week, and the consensus is he's going to jump in. There is still some thought that maybe Youngkin, the guy who won in Ohio, he may jump in. I know we tried this once before. I think we did. I'm not sure. Try to name as many as the 12 as you can. We'll start with you, Justin Ellick. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, here we go. We got uh, Chris Christie. You've got Donald Trump, obviously. You've got Ron DeSantis. You've got Nikki Haley. You've got Tim Scott. You've got... Uh, uh, there's a couple of businessmen in there. There's actually this one guy... Don't that, cheat. I'm, I'm not cheating. Right. There's just one guy on uh, news, uh, like that Newsmax is selling ads to. He's not going to do anything, but he's technically a candidate, so he's one of the Do you know his ones. name? I do not know his name. Doesn't count. Okay, well, doesn't count. Um, so far you got five. What do you mean? Five. Only five? Trump, DeSantis, Haley, Christie, and Scott. That's it. Oh, you got Asa Hutchinson. Six. Oh, man. Come on, Justin. I'm better at this. I should be better at this. You, yeah, know? you suck. I mean, can you, you, what suck. You, can you do more than six? Yes, I can. There's I've got a, the list in front of me. I can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm missing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing. I'm, I know I'm oh, missing. You're I know uh, I'm Lewis, missing. Uh, how many can you name? Uh, Lewis uh, is definitely see. cheating. I'm he, cheating. Yeah, well, oh, don't God. cheat. Then forget it. All you're right, missing, you're yeah. missing Mike Pence. Mike Pence. That's correct. Seven. Uh, one of these businessmen you're talking about may be Ryan Binkley. Yeah, he's, he's out of them. Dallas. He's <laughs> a he's like a billionaire businessman. He's running. Okay, good. Then last week, the North Dakota governor. Dave Burgum, okay. he announced yeah, he's sure. running. Right. Here's another complete waste of time, although I like this guy, former radio host Larry Elder. Right, Larry Elder. He's in <laughs> what there. a waste of time that is. Yeah. Then you've got um, Vivek Ramaswamy. Sure, okay. People like him. And another businessman out of Michigan, another billionaire, I believe, Perry Johnson. Yes, he's the one that's all over news. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he ain't going with No, of course not. But so I got, are... all the, I got all the big ones, except for... Uh... Yeah, no, you did well, except for you missed... Um, I, I just. Oh, you got them. Uh, all. I, I, I think you got them. I all. got all the. I got all the ones that actually are. You know, yeah. you know, in the news. You know, I got to play this. Uh, Daniel Penny is back in the news. Of course, he is the Marine hero. I'll say it again, hero who probably saved lives that day when, when uh, Jordan uh, Neely was on the train saying things like, "I'm going to kill somebody. I don't care if I go to prison. I don't care if I die." So Daniel Penny did what most New Yorkers should do and stepped up and saved the day. And what's his reward? He gets indicted, there's a grand jury, and my buddy Thomas Kniff now has to find a way to make sure he doesn't go to prison. That's his reward. 
But he made a video statement this weekend, and he talked about exactly what happened on that train that day, including Jordan Neely threatening everybody to kill them. Here is Daniel Penny Lewis, cut number 14. Well, I live in the East Village in Manhattan, so I take the subway multiple times a day. In this instance, I was coming from school. I got out of class around 2.15, and I took the J Street, I was at J Street Metro Tech, took the Uptown F train. Um, at 2nd Avenue, um, a man came on, stumbled on. He was, appeared to be on drugs. Um, the doors closed, and he ripped his jacket off and, violent, and threw it at the people sitting down to my left. I was listening to music at the time, um, and he was yelling, so I took my headphones out to hear what he was yelling. And the three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you, I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. Wow. I'm you know, going this is a, this is a scary situation. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. I'm prepared to go to jail for my life. I'm ready to die. One more he talks about the people that were really scared, really shows what a hero Daniel Penny was, were the women and children. Somebody send this to Al Sharpton. Lewis, this is cut number 16. Mr. Neely came on. He was... He was threatening. He's, he's a, I'm 6'2", and he was taller than me. So it was – and there's a common misconception that Marines don't get scared. We're actually taught uh, one of our core values is courage, and courage is not the absence of fear but how you handle fear. And, you know, I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces saying, saying these threats. I couldn't just sit still. And finally, for all the folks out there like Sharpton that say this was an attack that was racially motivated, clearly the white man wanted to kill the black man. He held him down for 15 minutes. Daniel Penny says, uh-uh, cut number 17. Some people say that I was holding on to Mr. Ely for 15 minutes. This is not true. I mean, between stops is only a couple minutes. So the whole interaction lasted less than five minutes. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death which is also not true. I was trying to restrain him. Uh, you can see in the video, there's a clear rise and fall of his chest, indicating that he's breathing. I'm trying to restrain him from him being able to carry out the threats. And then some people say that this is about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't see a black man threatening passengers. I saw a man threatening passengers, it's a lot of whom were people of color. The man who helped restrain Mr. Neely was, was a person of color. Uh, a few days after the incident, I, I read in the papers that uh, a woman of color came out and called me a hero. What I don't believe that I'm I'm a hero, but uh, she was one of those people that I was trying to protect. You are a hero. Anybody see the toxicology report for Jordan Neely? I'm just curious. Because he did say seemed like he was on drugs and died pretty quickly. It was not a 15-minute chokehold. I'm just curious. I was throwing that out there maybe, you know. Not like George Floyd wasn't all hopped up on a bunch of drugs, right? Just throwing it out there. Anyway, we got uh, Alan Dershowitz. Gary Meyer is the great sports writer. Has a new book out on the football giants. And Dolph Hyken, what's going on at CUNY? Has anything changed since that hateful speech? Answer? No. More of Sid and Friends in the morning on a Monday.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Oh my God! Let's go, God! You, come on! <laughs> now I miss Olivia Newton-John again. This is a great song. If this was in uh, Xanadu, I think suddenly Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton-John at eight thirty-two on your Monday morning. Alan Dershowitz, Gary Myers. Now, what is that book about? Once a giant. Is it about a specific giant or all the giants? Why a tittle? Frank Gifford, Lawrence Taylor. What's that about, Justin? You even know? He's not paying attention. No. Gary Myers. What's the book about? Once a giant. Oh, you're asking me? No, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, well, I would imagine. I mean, <laughs> Shut I up, fine. And uh, <laughs> then we'll talk to Dolph Hyken coming up at 925. But it is time. I think he was shocked by the video that the, of this song. Oh, I didn't see the that video. Was, uh, it's uh, the most cringeworthy it, video. It really, is it really? Oh, it's the, the song time. is great. What do I care about the video? No, 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 Where's the video from? Is it from Xanadu? Uh, it, 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 it's from some terrible soft porn orgy between oh the God. two of them. It was... Oh, let me look at it. It is... Let me be the judge of this. Repulsive. Fine, let me be the judge of this. Repulsive. Oh, you're you're going to like this book a lot. You're going to like this book a lot. I'm talking about the video. He said it's like an orgy. We've it's already, pornographic. We've already established Why would I not like orgy. that? We've already established that the Fine. video is it's not cr- worth watching. Let Gnome do his thing it's here. creepy. Uh, no, what's uh, Once a Giant about? Oh, what's a giant about? Yes, it is about uh, the history of the New York Giants. Thank you, Noam. Yeah. The 1986 specifically. Oh, the 86 team. Yes, Phil my, Sims, the rest my favorite of the game. team ever. Yeah. Favorite team ever. Yeah. I was at the NFC Championship game when they beat the Redskins 14 to nothing. It was a frigid day. I mean, not as cold as Packers and Cowboys, but really cold. When Jim Burt, short sleeve, jumped into the stands, and two weeks after that, the Giants went to Pasadena. And behind a great game from Phil Sims, beat John Elway and the Broncos and won the Super Bowl. But that's for Gary coming up at 9 o'clock. No, what do you have today? So this story has been developing for a couple of days, and we finally got our hands on the police tape and the 911 call from this UFO sighting in Las Vegas. Now, normally I wouldn't do a story like this because I think they're, oh, usually, they're usually nonsense. But this one has some credibility to it that others have Well, you not. know who loves these UFO stories? What's that? John. 
Oh. The only reason why I don't completely kill this right now right. is because Katsimatidis actually believes in this stuff. He, I, think, I think he wants Frank Morano to do more of this stuff. So if John likes it, because I love John, I'm going to be okay with it. But just so you know, I'm on record. This stuff is complete nonsense. Some idiot said last week there are literally Martians, aliens, walking around amongst us. I go, I know I work in radio. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> with this one, there's more to this story, which makes it interesting. Again, I probably wouldn't do it otherwise. So this father and his two sons are in their backyard in Las Vegas. They hear something crash in their backyard. And so they go outside and they hear steps. And then all of a sudden, they're facing face-to-face these nine-foot, non-human creatures that they cannot make out. So we finally got the Las Vegas police to release the 911 tape so you can hear it yourself. Okay, lady. Me, my dad, and my brother, we're working at a truck in our backyard, and we have a big lot outside, right, Chris? Okay. We were working, and we just see in a corner of our eye something fall down from the sky, and it was with light, and when it hit down, it was like a big impact, and we felt it. We felt like an energy, and then then we hear like a lot of footsteps near us, and then we have a big, a big uh, equipment, and, and we see, and there's a, there's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and oh, it has big eyes and looking at us. Yeah. So wait a second. So I'm then, begging you. So oh, then, no, hold on. Before you play yeah. anymore, let me go uh, to my UFO expert on the program. He uh, got his uh, bachelor's degree actually uh, in Las Vegas. It's Lou Rapino. Uh, Lou, what are your thoughts on this? Do you believe? And I'm, it's a serious question. All kidding aside, UFOs, aliens, all that. Do you believe in any of that? No. Thank you. Go back to what. Uh, well, let me no, finish yeah. the story, though. So then, so then they have to the nine one one dispatchers uh, call over to these cops who are near this house, and the police officers. You know, they have the cams on, and the minute they start talking, it records everything. So these two police officers in the car, these are guys who race into everything: murder scenes, domestic violence. But they get this call, and neither of them want to go to this house. I don't know. I'm so nervous right now. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw a shooting star. Then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. Yes, so this cop had seen a shooting star. So uh, once they get to the house, the body cams go on, and they start to interview these family members. Yeah, me and him What did you see? It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long time Big creature. Gone. I'm not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky, too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything yeah, land in your backyard? Or? They see like a big, that's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. Just the fact that our partner saw something at the same exact time. If those nine-foot beings come back, don't call us, all right? Deal with it yourself. <laughs> yeah, so these officers said they did their investigation. They talked to some neighbors. The neighbors had not seen it, but these three people, they were not drunk. They were not high. Sure. Right. They had not right. been partying. Right. Uh, uh, there's not to, nothing to suggest they're mentally unstable. Right. They say they saw these nine foot creatures and they know with that, big mouths. They and know big that eyes. people like you in all these cities across America are going to play this nonsense and they're going to become famous. Here is their 15 seconds of fame because they claim they saw nine foot creatures crash from some planet. I mean, this is, if I didn't love you so much, I suspend you right now. Well, it doesn't end there, Sid. Oh, God. So the. In Congress, they're taking this seriously. The House Oversight Committee is putting together a hearing on UFOs because there was another current unconfirmed report that uh, a crashed alien uh, in uh, the Vegas area, a second time there. And so now they want to have this investigation in Congress. They want anybody who has information to be forced to release that information so we as Americans can know whether this is a legit or not. And. And the interesting part is right before I went on the air with you, 
I got an email unsolicited. I didn't. I had mentioned this during my early show, the same story. And uh, someone said that they had actually taped some aliens that were in their backyard. This is in East Rutherford, New Jersey, right near where the Giants play. Uh, yeah. So um, I have not heard this. I actually was uploading it as you and I spoke because I just got the email. So uh, I don't know what we're about to hear, whether uh-huh. it's legit or not. I can't confirm it. But uh, this is from somebody in East Rutherford who said the same thing happened to him about uh, five years ago. You want to hear it? Sure. I, why be, re- not? be ready to hit the dump on because I really don't know what's on this All video. Right. Okay. Greetings, Earthling. Taken to your leader. <laughs> we stop begging. Okay. Thank you very much. Your yeah. leader. Okay, that's alien. Take me to your leader. Yeah, right. James <laughs> I don't know. No, I really don't. Yeah, know. Okay. Good one. Good one. Uh, I don't God, know. No. You really believe in this stuff? Oh, goodness. I. I you know, this family seemed legit. I watched the tape a few times. And what does that mean? They seem legit. I mean, you I'm know, asking you. Do you believe that uh, there are actually aliens walking around in these? These unidentified objects are flying throughout the night all over the country. You believe that? Or the world, I should say. No, yes no. or no? No. Thank I don't. you. Then you get to stay on the show. Uh, Pete Morgan reminds me he's right. The Giants beat the Redskins that day 17 to nothing, not 14 to nothing. We will talk to Gary Myers. It's going to be a great conversation coming up at 9.05. Dove Hyken's going to stop by. Uh, Arthur Turovitz for a couple of minutes. He's got a sports deal he wants to talk about, too. Uh, LeBron and Damian Lillard. On the way to Miami after this season. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today. 800 560 0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. The one page that's of concern, obviously, if it's true, is the tape recording that was made of a conversation ex-President Trump had with a writer who was writing a book about uh, Meadows, and which he said, look, uh, I have these documents, uh, they're secret, I could have declassified them when I was president, but I didn't, and then either shows it to him or just shows him that he has it. And that was uh, the basis for the most important charge under the Espionage Act. The rest of it, I think, uh, can easily be defeated on legal and factual ground. This is the one that should be worrisome to the president, and he may have an answer for it. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Back here where we need you. Back here where we need you. You know, we take the Bell Parkway home to Queens, to Nell and I, you know, from the city. 
And there used to be a sign when he got on the belt in that Bay Ridge area. And it said, Brooklyn, the fourth largest city in the country. Something like that. I loved it. And then they have all these, like, stupid slogans. I'm like, forget about it. I mean, shut up. Forget that about it. So Not stupid. everybody talks like that. Not everybody, okay? So we need to get some better slogans for not just the greatest borough in the history of this country, but the greatest city. And you just heard Alan Dershowitz on Fox News, but, of course, uh, he feels the same way. I'm so proud of my Brooklyn heritage. So is he to the point where one day he's going to write a book. So as we start this conversation with Alan, who's become a staple on this program, I love him. Before we get to the Trump stuff, uh, Mr. Dershowitz, I have a Brooklyn trivia question ready for you. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Here we go, Alan. Located yeah. on a bluff overlooking lower Manhattan, this is the original Brooklyn neighborhood and is known for its quiet tree-lined streets and beautiful 19th century architecture. I've got four choices. We will try to guess right off the bat. Okay. Give me the choices. Crown Heights, Prospect no. Heights, Diker no. Heights, Brooklyn Heights. Well, I, I know the location. Of course, Diker Heights I know because it's the neighborhood I grew up in. Bay Ridge, Poly uh, Prep, yes. Well, Borough, Borough Park, but uh, Diker Heights is right yeah. near there. I would say probably Brooklyn Heights. Bang! There it is. Dershowitz from way downtown. You got it right. There you go. Good job, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love Brooklyn. Uh, more, you know, I, I, every so often uh, when I want to brag to my family, I take them for a walk in the Botanic Gardens um, where you have the, the the Brooklyn Walk of Fame, and there I am on the ground. You can step on me. You can spit on me. But there I am on the ground as one of the famous people from Brooklyn. What? And well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you're telling me, because I didn't know this, uh, the yeah. Botanical Gardens by Prospect Park, Flappish Avenue, yeah. they have like the, like the stars like Hollywood, and your name is there? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the stars of Hollywood. It's, you know, lawyers, professors. Uh, of course, the stars of Hollywood. I'm not far from Woody Allen and from uh, George Gershwin. You know, George Gershwin's original name was Gershowitz. <laughs> and I have family members named Gershowitz because they used to confuse the G, the H, Gershowitz, Dershowitz, Gershowitz. So Funny. Gershwin is one of them. Um, and it's it's great to go there because you, you have no idea how many famous people uh, were born in, in, in Brooklyn. On my block alone. I had Sandy Koufax, Jackie Mason, um, I had, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, the, uh, the, the Hollywood star who was married to Barbara Streisand. Oh, Elliot Gould. Uh, Elliot Gould. They all lived on my block, and they just named the block recently after the most famous person who lived on 48th Street. Uh, and guess who they named it after? I don't remember. Well, the bub of a rabbi. Oh, right. Right. Head of the Bubba That's movement, right. That's right. Uh, because That's he right. was on that yes. block too. Yes. Yes. And the people who live there now have never heard of Sandy Koufax oh, or don't Ellie Gould. Please don't Alan say that. Dershowitz. I hate uh, that. I hate that. There's the no. Insular, but it's a great community. I yeah. love that community. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, you know, they're they're insular and they're tight and they're, but they, you know, they preserve the tradition. So I go back to Borough Park every so often. I look around. I. I the 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 basket the little garage that had the basketball hoop that I learned how to play basketball on is still there, uh, uh, but the basket is gone. Uh, well, you know, uh, Dove Hikind, who served Borough Park so proudly sure. for the better part of four decades, 
He's going to join me in about 25 minutes, Alan, at 925 because... Well, send him my best. Tell, send him my I best. I will. But he is still uh, yeah. furious, and deservedly so, that after that hateful, disgusting speech by that Muhammad lady, Fatima Muhammad Acuni, a couple of weeks ago, nothing's happened. Nobody got fired. Nobody got suspended from CUNY. So he is still furious this morning. And you know what, Alan? He's well, right. Tell him I'm on his side that there's no basis whatsoever for a school allowing a graduation speaker, a graduation speaker. She's looking at these kids who spent three years trying to get through law school, and she has a record of saying that a fifth of them or a third of them, however many believe Israel is the right to exist, that they should burn in the hottest place in hell. That's a graduation speech, telling students who have just graduated, your classmates, that you should burn in the hottest part of hell. I mean, she's a bigot, a racist, an anti-Semite, horrible. And I hope no law firm gets close to hiring her. Um, um, you know, Cooney is a real problem. Uh, they've become the disturma of law schools. Uh, the faculty unanimously voted to boycott not Iran, not Syria, not China, but only the nation state of the Jewish people, Israel, refusing to have any academic contacts with any Jew who is in Israel. Because, by the way, the BDS movement doesn't apply to uh, Arabs who live in Israel, only to Jews. So this is so illegal, so in violation of New York law. And Cooney, all of the faculty voted to violate New York law by becoming part of a movement to boycott the Jews of Israel on religious and ethnic and national origin grounds. So there ought to be lawsuits, and I would be happy to participate pro bono in any lawsuit wow. against uh, Cooney, as long as it doesn't violate academic freedom of the First Amendment, all of that. But what they have done is not about free speech. It's about endorsement. There's a big difference between allowing somebody to speak and endorsing the content of their speech which is what you do when you appoint somebody to be a graduation speaker. You know, uh, that was great, and I'll play that for Dove when he joins me at 925. You know, when uh, Trump got indicted again last week, now we've got two impeachments and two indictments, a third on the way. The first thing I thought of, Alan, was you. He said, why is that? Because you wrote a book called Get Trump. And look, we'll talk about okay. the details in this indictment. They are damning. You talked about what he said to Pomerantz. That's a big issue. They've got him on tape. He's going to be screwed here, no doubt about it. But, but, but. I have a feeling, Alan, if you really dig in to every day what Obama did, what Biden did, what Clinton did, all these presidents, you find stuff unsavory, if not illegal, as well. And to me, this is just one big hit job they spend every day trying to get this guy, and they got him. But I think every president probably has done stuff like this, similar. Well, that's why I wrote my book, at Trump, because what I don't like is targeting people. I'll give you a, a hypothetical example uh, this is what I would do with teaching law school. Let's assume in the 1930s, a white racist Jim Crow prosecutor ran in a small urban area and said, look, if you elect me, I'm only going to investigate and prosecute crimes committed by black people, not any committed by white people. And he does the investigation. And he finds a crime committed by a black person. Would it be fair to prosecute that person if they have never, ever investigated or prosecuted white people? Of course not. What if a Republican said, I'm going to only go after Democrats or a Democrat only after a Republican? In this case, Bragg and James basically ran for office on a get Trump platform. 
And yeah, they claim they found something. Of course, Bragg found nothing. And, and Letitia James has not charged them criminally. Uh, but, um, but Smith found something. And, you know, it, it, this is a great uh, a plaque that some people have in their house. I wish Trump had it in his house. It's a stuffed fish on a plaque. And it says on bottom, I'd still be swimming if I had kept my mouth shut. <laughs> and if Trump had kept his mouth shut and hadn't given that tape um, to that writer uh, and hadn't said some of the things he allegedly said to his lawyers, I'm, you know, those, those, that comes from testimony, not from tapes mostly, uh, he probably wouldn't have been indicted or if he had given back uh, all the classified material as soon as he found it. But Trump's Trump, and he's not going to roll over. He is who he is, and he was elected president on the basis of who he is. And when you go after the man who's running today against the incumbent president, you better have the strongest possible case imaginable, a case that I say has to meet the Richard Nixon standard. And I don't think this case necessarily meets that. Standard. Oh, you don't? I mean, Richard, Nixon, Richard Nixon destroyed evidence, bribed witnesses, um, and did things that clearly crossed the line into criminality. In Trump's case, it's a matter of degree. And you have a jury that's going to be somewhat more sympathetic than from Palm Beach County. You have a judge who's at least not a hate Trump judge. And so there's some chance that yeah, yeah. the jury will think yeah. rationally not, about By the way, it. not not only not a not hate Trump judge, he actually appointed that judge. Trump did back in 2020. And I know you're friends with Bill and Hillary, and I like Bill. I like him a lot. But I posit, Alan, that what Hillary Clinton did, destroying 33,000 emails with classified information, was much worse than what Donald well, Trump did. She denies that it had classified Of course she did. She says... Sure is that it was her beauty parlor appointment oh, sure. all that. Right. Now, we don't know because they're destroyed, so we have to take her word for it. But she denies that there were any classified materials in there. Um, and But I do think that – that's why I don't like special prosecutors. I don't like special counsel who target a given individual. What they should have done is appointed somebody to investigate the way former government officials – deal with classified material, special counsel. That special counsel could look at Pence, could look at Clinton, could look at Biden, could look at Trump, and assess all of them together, could look at Sandy Berger. But you should not appoint a special counsel to target a particular individual because, you know, to a, to a hammer, everything is a nail. And to a special prosecutor, you, you, you know this is your job to get Trump. And he, he may have gotten them on a couple of those things. But is it is it fair and is it right? No. If I were teaching back at Harvard, as I did for 50 years, I'd be teaching this class because there are two sides to it. And that's why I wrote my book, Get Trump. I hope people will read it because it predicted this prosecution. It did. And it goes through each yep. of the other charges, the yep. New York charge, which is dis disgraceful. The uh, Fulton County charge, which is very weak, and the D.C. charge, which is very weak. I, I've said in the book, this is the strongest of the four, particularly the obstruction of justice parts of it. I didn't know at the time about the tape. But if you read my book, you'll see that I got it right. You did. And, yep. uh, and, you did. and, and I try to strike a, a balance. I'm not a Trump supporter, um, but I'm a supporter of the Constitution. Yeah, Curtis Sliwa has been a never-Trumper from day one, and he was in this morning calling even this one. He may even be guilty of disgrace because it's clear that they have targeted, like you said, President Trump. Now, I had Judge Andrew Napolitano on this show last Thursday, 
And he right. said to me, he thinks Trump's going to go to jail. Forget about having to stop running. Or uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. What do you think? Uh, you got to predict the worst outcome here. What is the most likely? The most likely outcome on this case, I think, is a hung jury in Palm Beach County on at least some of the charges and maybe maybe a conviction on that tape-recorded charge. I doubt we'll see uh, prison time. It's possible. Uh, and then, of course, the irony, what happens if he gets elected uh, and then pardons himself or turns the office over to the vice president for two days and the vice president pardons him <laughs> and then he comes back and serves? Um, there are so many possible contingencies here. But I think, you know, going to jail for a long period of time is probably not among them. Remember, too, that there's no allegation in the indictment that he actually harmed national security. The allegation is that he put it in danger, but so did Hillary Clinton, and so did Biden um, with his boxes in his garage. They all put national security at some risk, but none of them actually caused any damage to national security, and that would be a big factor in sentencing. But we're far away from that because – a, he gets a trial, and the trial is probably a year from now, although the trial in New York is only like eight or nine months from now. And then he gets an appeal, and he's out pending appeal, obviously. And so we're way past the election before there's any possibility that he goes to uh, prison. And then, you know, even if he's convicted, you might get somebody to do a Gerald Ford thing. Whoever the president is might pardon him, um, um, as they did uh, Richard Nixon to bring the country together. So I think there are so many possibilities that we're jumping ahead of ourselves. This indictment is stronger than I anticipated because I was not aware of the tape. But uh, the targeting is also um, uh, more questionable than than many people think. And, and, and you can't consider that, you know, Jack Smith's a decent guy and a decent lawyer, and he's made a strong case. Unlike Bragg, who is also a decent guy, I like him, and, and Letitia James I like very much. He's very personable. But the idea of running for office basically on a get Trump uh, platform and saying essentially if I don't get Trump, you're not going to vote for me again, that's not the way prosecutors ought to be yep. handling their cases. And then what is produced by Bragg is the – this is – I'm going to say this again. People are shocked. The weakest indictment I have seen in 60 years of practice in criminal law. That's a lot. I have never seen a weaker indictment. And I've seen weaker indictments. And as you know, I have won more than my share of cases. But I've never seen a weaker indictment than that. I I think a first-year law student or maybe even a a, a college student applying to law school could win this case uh, for Bragg. Now the problem is the jury is Manhattan. And in Manhattan, 87% of the people voted against Trump. Can he get a fair trial? Will you get a judge who will have the guts to walk around New York City, people pointing at him and saying, that's the judge that acquitted Trump? Look what's happened to me. I'm on Martha's Vineyard now. I was canceled by everybody. The library canceled my speeches. They wouldn't run my books. Finally, after a threat of a lawsuit, they've allowed me to speak next week to 25 people, and I can't even bring any guests. I can only oh, bring my God, wife. God. Um, and um, and um, uh, I've been canceled by the community center, canceled by the local reform synagogue. Um, everybody cancels me because they don't like the fact that I defended Trump in his first impeachment. So he's having trouble getting lawyers now. 
um, because there's this Project 65, a group of radical McCarthyite lawyers who have threatened to disbar to have bar complaints against any lawyer who defends Trump. And so I wrote an article saying I'll defend any lawyer who is have bar complaint against him by the by the 65 project. So what do you think they did? They filed the bar complaint against me. Uh, and, and, and so I'm now defending myself. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I know you been and Larry David didn't help you either, by the way, that uh, very infamous and his wife and his, and his wife. wife yeah. Yeah. I know the head of the group that's trying to prevent me from speaking at the library. Terrible. She wrote a letter to the editor. <laughs> and when the library finally agreed to allow me to speak in front of 25 people, she complained. Larry no, David's wife. That's talk. Yeah, that's Larry unreal. Larry David's wife, Lori yeah. David, his first, yeah. first wife, the former wife. Wow. Well, listen, folks, go out and buy Get Trump. I know all of you love it when Alan Dershowitz is on this program, and you should. He's a magnificent man, a brilliant man. Man, and his book, Get Trump, is a great, great read. Go out and buy it today, and I look forward to the next time you join me, Alan Dershowitz. Thank you so much. And we'll talk about Brooklyn a little. Every okay. time. Every time. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Be well. There he is, a great attorney, Alan Dershowitz, Mr. Brooklyn. we got Gary Myers and Dove Hiking coming up. Keep it right here. Your dreams were your ticket Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd need WABC. Shit and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Look at you. Ah, Louie, baby. I mean, the Mets suck. The season's over. We're done. I'm going to go tomorrow night thanks to Pete Morgan, Mets and Yankees, but... I'm already looking forward to the Giants. You all know I'm a diehard Giant fan. Did the Giant pregame show with WFAN for years. I was really the lone Giant guy there. All Jet bands. Beningo, Jet Band, Carton, Roberts, Boomer. But all the uh, the five teams that went to the Super Bowl, only one loss. Kerry Collins had that miserable effort in Tampa against Baltimore. Of the four teams that won, Eli Manning twice. Did beat an undefeated Patriot team. That was a big deal. Hostetler filling in for Sims beating Buffalo. But my favorite, this is just me, was 86. All right, that was number one. Bill Parcells, Sims, Taylor, Bavaro, Joe Morris. Belichick was a defensive coordinator. Uh, just an unbelievable, magical season. I think they went 14-2. and two. They lost to Dallas that first game. Then I think Seattle beat them later in the year, and that was it. Shut out the Redskins in the NFC Championship game. Went on to beat John Elway and the Broncos with that amazing second half in Pasadena. Well, my friend Gary Myers, who spent many years as one of the greatest ever, I mean that, sports writers here in New York at the New York Daily News, which is not the paper it used to be, mind you, folks. He's written a bunch of great books, great books. His latest, Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football, comes out in September. Here he is to tell us about it, my good buddy Gary Myers. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I'm doing great, Sid. How are you? I'm great. You heard my little intro there of all the teams, the four yeah, Super Bowl teams. And again, Eli beat an undefeated Patriot team. That was a big deal, but... The 86 Giants, if you've been watching the Giants a long time, I mean post-Gifford, obviously, a long time like me, I think uh, most Giant fans would agree that was the best season. It was the first one, first Super Bowl win, and just an amazing group of guys. Really, uh, I think you 
characterized that perfectly. It was a magical year. It had been 30 years since the Giants had won their last NFL championship. And then when we look back on it now, you know, all those players that you just mentioned and the coaches, I mean, Parcells and, and Belichick might have been, you know, the greatest pairing of two coaches on one staff ever. You know, maybe well, Landry give, and Lombardi. Yeah, I was going to say but, the Giants with Lombardi and Landry, that was pretty good too, yeah. yeah. That, that was good, but neither one of them was a head coach then. Um, but, you know, j- again, just some of the biggest names in team history and some of the greatest personalities. So, Sid, I just want to tell your listeners, this is not a rehash of the 86 season by any means. What I've done in this book is establish how it became a brotherhood by, you know, the gradual progression in 84, 85, as you know, losing in the playoffs and then building up to the 86 season and how these players became so closely knit. It was the pre-free agency days where there wasn't the turnover. So these guys really became brothers, and they still are that way today because so many of them live in the area. But the theme of this book is life after football, which is such a crucial issue now for players of yesterday and today and then, you know, players of tomorrow. What is their life going to be like in the 50s when they're in 50s and and their 60s? And what toll – has the game taken on them emotionally and, and, and physically, and where are they financially? So I was able to reconnect with every big name on the team and some of the lesser-known players. And what I, what I found out is that life after football is good for some, but bad for many. And uh, a lot of them are in really bad shape. And uh, I, I don't want to give away the names now, but there's five players in the book on the record who admitted in their in their years since um, retiring that things got so bad that they con- considered suicide? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to guess. Somebody... I'm going to guess one of those is Byron Hunt, 57. But and maybe I'm wrong. But I will tell you very anecdotally, Gary, that like you said, lots of those players live here, specifically in New Jersey. My friend Phil Sims, uh, Franklin mm-hmm. Lakes, he's doing great. Obviously, Ben Benson, I see, he's doing very well. Bart Oates, I see, he's doing well. I see Lawrence all the time. He still gets twenty, thirty thousand a weekend just to play golf. He's doing just fine. I see That's Joe right. Morris. He's doing okay, not great. Uh, maybe he's one of the five not doing great. But uh, most of the guys that I see, again, very anecdotal, are doing okay for themselves. I guess the ones I don't see, I don't see because they're not right. Yeah, and either they've just kind of dropped out of sight because of their own situations, or uh, have just chosen that's the life they want they want to live um the, the heart you know this book is not you know just filled with heartbreaking stories that's going to make you depressed i i really do balance it off with the heartwarming stories and the fun stories you know behind the scenes of how these guys you know the practical jokes and and just the fun that they had together and i think one of the most crucial things and by the way you didn't guess any of the guys that uh okay then okay good Okay. I don't really want to. Uh, I want people to see it in the book. And I actually right. do get upset because I loved all of them from, I don't care, from Andy heading down to the backup offensive guard. I loved them all, so I can't wait to read this. Yeah, but what I was going to tell you is that the, the really heartwarming, compassionate section in the book is the transformation of Bill Parcells from this dictator-type coach who players one day hated and one day loved. Um, and you know, there are really a lot of players that just didn't enjoy playing for him because he was such a hard-driving guy. But now that Bill's in his 80s, he's really become 
a fatherly, grandfatherly type figure to many of these guys who check in with him regularly. They send him Father's Day cards. They uh, send him birthday cards. But, Sid, the amazing part about this, and this has never been written anywhere, when I went down to Florida, around your old stomping grounds, actually, in Tequesta to meet with Bill uh, at his house, he told me over the years he's loaned without any ex- any expectation of being reimbursed over four million dollars. Now it's four million dollars wow. to his former players who yeah. called him and say, "Coach, you know, you know, I never want to come to you for something like this. I got nowhere else to turn, but I need this money to save my house, or I need this money to pay doctor's bills. Can you help me out?" And Sid, no questions asked other than making sure that the player is legitimately in need, Mm. Bill sits down, writes a check, and mails it the next day. Um, It's it's really unbelievable when you think about that. Mm. Uh, And I said, Bill, why do you do that? And he he said, I have all the money I need to live the rest of my life. I've given all I can to my children. And these guys gave everything they had for me. And he meant that by buying into his program and now all the residual effects of life after football. Uh, he goes, why wouldn't I want to help them? I'm in position to help them. Why wouldn't I want to do that? And I just think that's such a cool – it's an amazing story. I guess I'm going to leave it at that. It's, I've never heard of anything like that with the coaches, former players. And, and, and Bill doesn't look to it, – it's not like he's advertising it. It just kind of came up in the conversation that I had with him. And um, – I kind of had to pull some details out of him. As you know, when Bill doesn't really want to tell you anything, he can be protective, but then you can talk him into it a little bit. And so he was pretty expansive on on his role, that kind of role. Now, listen, I know when it was over and done for him, of course, winning the Super Bowl in 86, strike short in season 87, 90, they get there again. Sims gets hurt to like 10-1 and against Buffalo. Is that that game, a dank December day. They have to go to the backup Hostetler and – they beat the 49ers, that huge Roger Craig fumbled, and then beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. uh, then they carry him off, and no one knew at that point. I was at that stadium that day crying when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem. Me yeah. and my dad went to that game. We didn't know, of course, that that was going to be his last game as a giant head coach. And here comes Ray Handley. But uh, I saw a grown man cry when Bill Parcells called it quits. And like you said, five years prior, they would have been celebrating. Um, now you mean you see grown men cry when when, when, when Parcells he, actually retired from the Giants after beating the Bills in oh, that Super Bowl? Those guys were distraught. I mean, distraught. Well, the thing, if you remember, he didn't retire until May fifteenth that year. So once we got past like the first couple of weeks after the Super Bowl, everybody assumed Bill was staying. It was a big topic of conversation at that Super Bowl. But then when he didn't say anything the day after or the week after or even two months after. We thought he was staying. Yeah, because, I mean, who quits on May 15th? But (laughs) as Bill, Bill, you know, there's one theory that he hated George Young so much that he wanted to stick him uh, with very little, um, very few options to replace him. But Bill flatly denies that. And he says he was having health issues. He wasn't sure what they were. And he just knew he couldn't give everything he had because he was, he was really worried about himself. And if you remember, Sid, that December, he had the first of many heart procedures. Yes. So there was yeah. something going on. Uh, I, I think I it was both. I think it was both. I mean, he wanted to coach, too. He wanted to coach three more teams, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and the Jets. Uh, not in that order, know, by the way. That, but but I, I will, to give him the benefit of the doubt on that, he did have a few heart procedures between 
leaving the Giants and going to the Patriots. So he yeah. felt better physically at that point. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to read this. I miss Mark Bavaro, too. I loved him. I'm genuflecting in the end zone. Harry Carson, I still see him to this day. Carl well, Banks. Let me, let me just, I just want to tell you this because I know we're running out of time here. The chapter on Bavaro yeah. is going to blow you away. It's the best chapter in the book. Really? He opened he opened up to me like he's never opened up before. His wife, after us, we, we sat in his living room for three hours. She came into his wife is great. She comes into the living room after as I'm getting ready to leave, and she goes, "You know, he must Mark must really like you. He's never spoken to anybody for three hours." <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. No, and I got to know him a little bit afterwards. He actually is a very very sweet guy. And if he trusts you guy. and knows you, yeah, he'll talk to you. Hey, do me a favor when when the book comes out, or maybe even before. Come into studio here in New York City with me. and Oh, I'd love to. That would be great. To. And we can go over some of the chapters and the players because, again, as a lifelong Giant fan, well, since I'm eight at least, since the Jets screwed me, uh, of those four, four Super Bowl winning teams, 86, and those guys are still my friends to this day like they are yours, Gary, yeah. Phil, and Lawrence. So I would love to have you here, buddy. Congratulations. You always write great books. You always write great books. So congratulations. Hey, see, I just want to tell you, September 14th, for Giant fans, I'm going to be at Bookends in New Jersey. Love that and place. Phil Sims is going to be with me uh, signing books. Anybody who wants to buy it now and pre-order can go on Amazon. You can go on the Bookends uh, website. And um, I just want to say one thing to you. This was the most beloved of the Giants Super Bowl teams. Anybody Great. who lived through that era, and you ask them to rank the Giants Super Bowl championship teams, 86 Clearly, yes. First. Eighty-six one. Then the Manning team that beat the undefeated Patriots. I'll come that That's day right. too with you and Phil. I love bookends. My my books. I always saw my books there as well. Once a yeah. giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Go buy it today. Gary Myers. Nobody writes a better sports book. Trust me. Gary, congratulations. We'll do this again soon because I want to keep promoting this book. Okay, pal. I really appreciate it, Sid. Have a great day. And, and continue to take care of my boy Justin there. Yeah, he's doing a great job. You got it, buddy. Gary Myers. You know, talking about uh, the football giants and sports, you know, Arthur Turovitz, better known as Dr. T from NJ Diet. And NJ Diet, of course, contractually guarantees you'll lose 20 to 40-plus pounds in only 40 days. And over the years, Audie and I have become friendly, and he's a great sports guy, too. Now, he's a Philadelphia guy. He's not a Giant fan, but he knows his sports – and a couple of big things, obviously, tonight, Game 5, the Nuggets and the Heat, Denver a chance to close out Miami and win the NBA championship. And just yesterday, it was uh, Djokovic winning another major tennis title. So here he is, my friend, Arthur Turovitz. Two major sports stories on the table for you, Arthur. Good morning. Good good morning. I, I can't tell you how um, how nice it was to listen to that interview, your previous interview, and talk about raving reviews about the Giants as a lifelong Eagles fan. That really warmed my heart this Monday yeah. morning. Thank you very much. Well, we've got four Super Bowls, a lot more than you've got, but go ahead. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is so great. I love it. This is so great. I just can't, can't, get, can't get over how warm and fuzzy I feel uh, right now. I know. Listen, I had uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Stuff's going on today. What do you got? What do you, what, what do you want to start with, the tennis or the basketball? I think I mean the you know both are huge stories. I'm I'm a, I'm really impressed with uh, yeah I think Denver closes it out tonight. I really think it's except for you know a crazy fourth quarter in game two. I think this is probably a a, a four a four zero sweep uh, by the Nuggets. And I'm I, you know their offense is is obviously no surprise to anybody. They're they're amazing. What's impressive to me is how they've raised the level on their defense. I mean the uh, uh, Jokic basically 
you know, all season long, he plays like Ole defense. You know, he just gets out of the way. And he's really putting on a nice defensive effort uh, during the playoffs. Uh, really, really shutting people down. And he's got quick hands. He's getting steals. He's getting uh, moving the ball around great. And, and it's really impressive to see how they ramped up uh, defensively uh, the Nuggets. Do you agree with that? No, I do. And uh, Jokic and Murray have also become the best one-two punch in the NBA. Bottom line, a lot of good one-two punches, some great ones. Those two specifically, yeah. and you're right, they play stifling defense. In fact, my buddy down in Miami wrote a story in the Sun Sentinel yesterday, Dave Hyde, where is the Miami offense? I think Dave Hyde forgot the other team sometimes plays really good defense. I love when local riders go, where's our team? Well, maybe the other team right. is better, and Denver happens to be exceptional on defense. That's why they're about to win the NBA championship. How about Jokovic yesterday? Amazing, right? I mean, 23, 23 titles. Uh, just, I think he, the only person ahead of him is, is Margaret Court, and that was God knows, God knows when. And uh, to do it, you know, not only to get 23, but to get 23, while Federer and Nadal also got are in their 20s, yeah. and to be, be and to beat those guys numerous times on their courts, uh, I don't think there's an argument that can be made now. I mean, I think he's he's the he's the greatest of all time, and and he's he's going to keep winning. I mean, I don't think he's I don't think he's coming uh, coming down anytime soon. You know, the whole thing with not letting him play in Australia and the U.S. Open maybe prolonged his career for a couple of years, you know, because he wasn't playing. He wasn't getting beat up at 34, 35, 36 years old. He was able to train, get his body working the right way uh, and, and get, getting stronger and, and focusing on the game. And now you've put another two, three years on the back end. He could go strong. He had Brady in his box yesterday. Uh, and, and very telling that, you know, Brady played until, what, after his 40s. And very telling. I think the guy's got the same idea. Like, keep going and keep keep grinding away, doing everything the right way. And you're right. You're in an era with those other two guys, man, Nadal and Federer. I always thought Roger would be the greatest without a doubt. But now there is plenty of doubt with Djokovic and Nadal. Uh, just amazing what he's accomplished. And Margaret Court is the all-time leader. We thought Serena would catch her. Serena's one shy of Margaret Court. Uh, nevertheless, yep. excellent job, Arthur Turovich, my man, Dr. T from NJ Diet. Of course, to learn more about NJ Diet and lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40-plus pounds for the beaches this summer, just go to njdiet.com. Arthur, we'll do it again next Monday, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely. Love getting on with you. You got it, pal. There he is, Arthur Turovich. We'll, uh, I guess we'll uh, head to traffic. No, we'll take a short break. We have Dove Hiking coming up next. You know, I spoke to Alan Dershowitz about 45 minutes ago about this CUNY deal where this girl made this hateful speech at commencement. Nothing's been done. I asked for days to fire that dean of students, SETI. Every day got on the air and said, will they please fire the dean of the law student, SETI? Nothing has been done. Dove Hyken is furious. So am I. We'll talk to Dove Hyken coming up next. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
a good friend of Phil. He's out in San Diego many, many years. But he was, uh, you know, ran out on the field waving that towel, and we went nuts. Football giants. All right. Dove Hikind uh, spent the better part of four decades as one of the great assemblymen in the history of this state. Great job in Borough Park. And I have now dubbed Dove Hikind in very Howard Stern-like fashion the king of all Jews because something happened to a Jewish person in this town and whether it's Twitter or somewhere, you're going to find Dove Hyken representing. I love that about him. He nearly got me arrested a couple of times. I love that about him, too. So here's Dove Hyken. Now, Dove, well, before you and I start talking here, I had the great constitutional attorney, Alan Dershowitz, who, as you know, next to you, maybe the most pro-Israel guy alive today. He was on about 45 minutes ago. And I talked to him, and I said, Dove Hyken is coming on about this uh, CUNY girl, this animal, that uh, made this horrible speech, and there have been no repercussions. And here, Lewis, here's what Alan Dershowitz had to say going into the conversation here with Dove Hyken. Dove Hyken, who served Borough Park so proudly for the better part of four decades, that Muhammad lady, Fatima Muhammad at CUNY a couple of weeks ago, nothing's happened. Nobody got fired. Nobody got suspended from CUNY. So he is still furious this morning. And you know what, Alan? He's right. Tell him I'm on his side that there's no basis whatsoever for a school allowing a graduation speaker, a graduation speaker. She's looking at these kids who spent three years trying to get through law school, and she has a record of saying that a fifth of them or a third of them, however many believe Israel is the right to exist, that they should burn in the hottest place in hell. That's a graduation speech, telling students who have just graduated, your classmates, that you should burn in the hottest part of hell. I mean, she's a bigot, a racist, an anti-Semite, horrible. And I hope no law firm gets close to hiring her. Um, um, you know, Cooney is a real problem. Uh, they've become the disturma of law schools. Uh, the faculty unanimously voted to boycott not Iran, not Syria, not China, but only the nation state of the Jewish people, Israel. And there you have it, uh, just boycott Israel. So Dove Hikind, sounds like Alan Dershowitz and you are on exactly the same page. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, Sid, it's great to be with Me you. Too. But the exact words uh, that she actually used uh, that Alan was referring to, now listen to this because she's talking about you and she's talking about me. She said, quote, every Zionist should burn in the hottest part of hell. <laughs> that is exactly what she tweeted. This is where she comes from. This is who she is. Uh, and it's just beyond comprehension. We've talked about this so many times, Sid, 
When it comes to the Jewish people, there's a double standard. Imagine for a moment that hateful remarks, vicious hateful remarks, were directed against any protected group, against the LGBT community, against the black community, against any other community, with the person involved, and not, not just the person who made the speech. That's one thing. What about the responsible people? What about the dean of the law school? What about the leadership of the law school? They are more responsible than the person who actually made the remarks. And when it comes to the Jewish people, you know, uh, many members of the board of CUNY uh, called it hate speech, said, what in God's name, what in hell have they done? Is this just going to pass by yeah. like so many other yeah. anti-Semitic incidents? Well, okay, let's I, wait for the next one. I think it is. In fact, one of those guys that called it hate speech is my dear friend, and he's Italian. His name is Angelo Vivolo. He's on my show and John Katzmatidi's show quite a bit. He's Mr. Columbus Day Parade, and he called it hate speech. He's furious. And look, I know some folks said, well, wait a second. They presented a shorter speech without this. That's fine. I didn't know about it. But once she had said this speech, these people, including... The dean, Seti, stood up and applauded. So what they yeah. knew before didn't matter. If you stood up and you applauded that day, you should be suspended. And in the dean's case, you should be fired. Uh, absolutely. Quote, Israel indiscriminately rains bullets and bombs on worshipers murdering the young and the old. You are preaching hate. You are preaching that, that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, let's get that clear, you're a Zionist, I'm a Zionist, I love Israel, she's talking about us. And she is basically talking, advocating violence. And the leadership of the school, nothing happens? I mean, I had a conversation, I just want to tell you, I know Bill Thompson for a very long time. He's the chairman of the board of uh, CUNY. Uh, you know, he said to me, uh, this will never, ever happen again, okay? That's what he said to me just a couple of days ago. But there must be accountability. There must be repercussions. And we cannot, I, I repeat, we cannot walk away from what happened at CUNY Law School. Remember, Sid, it happened a year before, identical, when you had a speaker also advocating hate. Uh, you know, just one year ago, and a year later, you have the same thing. Uh, last year, it was uh, Nardine Kaswani. This year, you have Mohammed. So, again, the Jewish organizations, where in God's name are they? Is it just about issuing press releases? Is yeah, that it? That's all you they issue do. issue a press release, well, then you go home? Uh, Give uh, me a break. Uh, it uh, cannot happen. Uh, I agree. Every well, Jewish well, organization well, starting with the ADL. I want to know where the hell you are and what you're going to do. Well, not long after this, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Wednesday night, uh, Danielle and I went to Gracie Mansion, first time ever. And we were there because it was the end of Jewish Heritage Month. And the mayor, Eric Adams, and Fabian Levy from City Hall were kind enough to invite me and Danielle because they know, of course, that every opportunity I get, I bring you on and defend the Jewish people. So we were there. And the mayor got up on stage, though, but I must tell you, delivered this impassioned, beautiful speech. All these Jewish leaders were there, some guy from Israel, Ari Kagan, some council guy. And he said, we're not going to deal with this, and it's not going to happen. We love our Jewish people in New York. And he said, I went to Greece, which he did do, and sat in on an anti-Semitism deal. And, and he said all these things, a lot of which were true. And he was definitely defending the Jewish people on stage. But one of my friends looked at me and said, yeah, but what are they really doing? Sounded great on stage. I played it the next morning. But 
What are they really doing, whether it's the mayor, one of these Jewish groups? And that seems to be the question, Dove Heikind, that you keep asking. What are they really doing? Absolutely. Look, I give credit to the mayor, at the very least, that he has actually condemned it, actually spoken out. I got, I got, to, I got to share with you, where the hell is the White House they just released a 60-page document on fighting anti-Semitism. A hundred ways to fight anti-Semitism, all kinds of ideas, beautiful 60 freaking pages. Have you heard one word from the White House? There is a czar specifically to deal with anti-Semitism. Uh, can anybody find her? Her name is Deborah Lipsat. Has she said one single freaking word, for God's sake? I'm so sick of this, Sid. The, mayor, the governor, listen to the governor, you're going to love this. Quote, she was asked about the remarks at CUNY. I condemn all forms of hate speech. It is divisive, it's hurtful, it's cruel. Beautiful, right? And I will do nothing. Those are my words. <laughs> and she is doing nothing. nothing. Yeah. A commitment, I'll do nothing. I'll just, words are cheap, they're meaningless, unless followed up by action, Sid. I'm sick of this, absolutely sick. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Dove Hiking. Um, twice in my life, you've nearly gotten me arrested. And I say that, and I love you for that. One time in front of the library on 42nd Street, I forget what the uh, exactly what the motivation was behind the rally that day. But Well, well you saved me from going to the hospital. Yeah, like right, I was going to beat the hell right, out of me. Right. But the first time I went to a rally with you was, and Dershowitz was there that day. It was great. Was uh, even Danielle showed up? Was outside the New York Times building when they ran that cartoon of Bibi Netanyahu and Donald Trump. And I believe every time Dove, you put these rallies together, I mean this that they mean a lot and people listen. I don't know how we don't have a rally, and I'll join you. I promise. I wasn't able to make it outside of uh, you know Saturday Night Live that night with that comedian. But if you put together a rally and pick, I don't care what CUNY school you want, Baruch or the law school, whatever you want to do, and stand outside and raise some hell. I'll be there right next year, I promise you. Let's do it. Sid, I appreciate it, and I can only tell you this, that I am not done with CUNY and the law school and what just happened. And no one anywhere in the Jewish community and beyond the Jewish community, we cannot let this pass by. Another incident, okay, you know, next year we'll do it again. We need to focus on the horror that happened at the CUNY Law School. Someone getting up and preaching hate against the Jewish people, against my brothers and sisters who are defending themselves, who are trying to live, the men and women and children in Israel who are murdered by terrorists. This woman gets up with my freaking tax dollars, your freaking tax dollars, and preaches hate right here in our great city. Unacceptable, and we cannot be silent. Listen, you must be pissed because you just used the word freaking about four times, Dove, which is something that uh, they would never use in the Torah. So you must be very, very upset on a serious note. And uh, you're right. I am equally as angry as you are, equally as frustrated that nothing changes, that Jews continue to be the target uh, on the streets every day. So whatever you do next, I'm telling you, Dove Hyken, whatever you do next, you've got me and anyone I know on your side. Let's get this done. Let's have somebody at CUNY Pay the price for this vicious animal. Thank you, Sid. Love you. You're absolutely amazing. We cannot be silent. Let's remember the past. We don't want to repeat that past by just letting things happen and saying, Ay vey, not enough. No, the, forget about Ay vey. The two words we have to keep saying is never again. 
Never and with, again. And with speeches like that, it'll happen again. But as long as Dope Hiking and Sid Rosenberg were in New York City, it ain't going to happen. I love you, Dope. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Sid. Call me. Let me know what we want to do next. Dove Hikind. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. What happened? Is this calling is this love? Oh, yeah, it is, yes. You know, I got a lot of people that have been DMing me on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, that want to raise hell. Scoop Jackson and um, Joseph Cohen, Tony out on Long Island, and others. Noam said he'll do it. So if Dole puts together a rally, we want we want that lady Seti fired at CUNY. And uh, until they do it, I'm not giving up. I'm right there with Dole. But, folks... On a lighter note, here's your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the one and only Darlene Love comes up on Saturday night, June the 17th. That's this Saturday at New Jersey's premier live music and events venue, the URSB Carteret Performing Arts Center. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Darlene Love, proclaimed by Rolling Stone magazine as, quote, one of the greatest singers of all time with hits like He's a Rebel, The Boy I'm Gonna Marry, and more. Be calling number 8 right now at 1-800-848-WABC. Win a pair of tickets to see Darlene Love this Saturday, June 17th at the URSB Carteret Performing Arts Center. 1-800-848-9222. Tickets are also on sale at CarteretPack.com. Darlene Love. Good luck. Seventy-seven WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. All the Jews have got nuts now. Hamra, all of them. They, they all want a piece of uh, CUNY. I, I could you blame them. Let's go. Lou, you in? I'm there already. You love the Jews. No kidding. I'm, we're right with Dove. Dove's a great guy, right? Isn't he? He's and, a great guy, and he scares the heck out of me. Well, he should. I know Ellick is in. He's Jewish anyway. But on a serious note, it's not right. This uh, girl made this speech. It's a while now. And for nothing to happen, I mean nothing. Angelo Vivolo, he's the face of the Columbus Day Parade. He's Italian. And he's furious. Forget about the Jewish people. Nothing. Nothing has happened. Nothing. This is New York City, man. No, we got to do something. We got to take this show, which has the biggest voice in New York City, quite frankly, the host with the biggest muscles, and do something about this. Right? It's time. Never again. 
never again. What a great show today. You guys are terrific. Lou Rafino and uh, Justin Ellick. Noam Layden. You know, I'm still going through a hell of a lot here. My daughter, Ava, is still, uh, the whole thing's really tough. I mean, your face is still paralyzed. And there's a lot going on with us. We're trying to move. We, you know, it's not easy. It's it's not easy. But um, I enjoy this. I really do. Four hours a day. And I hope you guys out there, too. Great guest today. Tomorrow, big show as well. Make sure you tune in 6 a.m. tomorrow for another great edition on a Tuesday of Sitting Friends in the Morning. But for this Monday, from all of us to all of you, ladies and gentlemen, peace! This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.